from Texas. Man, we got a big crowd on hand here tonight for the All-Star Race. All-Star event. Let's do it. Staying in all night. Be there for the million. Try to keep it up front. Put ourselves in a spot to win. No points tonight. A lot of gas. Let's go get it. Nobody cares who finishes second tonight. It's all about the million. Green flag. The All-Star Race is underway. Great job, man. Way to keep the air on the nose. You're the fastest car. No pressure there. You get it to turn. Dig the other tires. The left side feel like Jordan. All right side feel like Scutchers. I might have a rear tire going down. Plenty of pop here. Got an issue. Man. Got a flat tire. Hey, you're wrecking behind you. Blew a tire, it looks like. Kyle Larson hard into the outside wall. You okay? Yeah, it was big, but I'm fine. I got a flat. Right rear flat. Right rear flat. Chastain absolutely nails him on the front straightaway. Wow, had such a good race car. You alright, buddy? What the heck happened to the 18? The 18 cut a tire? Is that what happened? That was wild. Austin Cedric wins the stage. Nice job, everyone. Blaney coming to you. What was that about? Oh, no. Not too worried. All right, take crew. Get warmed up here. Getting ready for the pit stop challenge. Show me what you got, boys. Let's get it. Do your thing, boys. NASCAR will be timing these stops yellow line to yellow line. Go, 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 go. Hard, hard, hard. All the way, grass, grass, grass. I don't want it. All right, man, I got the best car left, so I'm gonna fight forward. Everybody's about to get used up here, because I'm sick of it. And here we go for stage three, 25 laps. Turn four, Christopher Bell. 20 directing behind you. And we're under caution. For sure, it's killed. Here we go for green-white checker. They went three wide behind you, 99 on the bottom. Ryan Blaney to the stripe, wins stage three. Green checker right here, good job. Life with a freaking gunfight here on a restart. Yeah, and you have those Penske clowns trying to make sure Blaney won. The Penske Fords will start the final stage. One, two, three. Here we go. 50 laps. Corner. Clear. Clear. The 11 ball's coming alive. Just go free in one. Wallace says he has a tire going down. So we just go the hell home. Well, we've come all this way. You never know. Trouble turn four. Easy, easy. Watch it when you left. Eric Jones in a 43. I blew a tire. Get four. Get out of plan. Four tires, right? Sorry, we taking a stand. You're staying, bud. We're done. Four tires. Guys, get on the wall. Four tires. Here they come. Who's going to stay? Fifth on back. Oh, we tried. We got some. 21 to go in the all-star race. Green is in the air. Teammates side by side. Still at your door, to their corner, clear. Just you and him by one. Hamlin just rocketed out of turn two and passed two cars. All out front, 18 to go, 1-8. Clear, clear, all clear. 13 to go here, go get him. By 18 to the 11, you're doing your thing. Really clear. No threat, nice and smooth. White flag here, one more. Remember, this race must end under the green flag. Off four final time, the checkered flag is out. 
Caution waves. Hell yeah! Congrats, guys. It's not over. Are you serious? Race isn't over? What the f? My window net's down, man. I can't get it back up. The 12 foot is net down. Are you serious? See if you can get the strap up around the roll bar, right? I mean, he's trying to hold it up because it's not matched. He's still working hard to get it. If he don't maintain, come by him. Alright, man. You got this. Relax. Do you do it? Blaney on the inside sees the green flag. He's got his teammate right behind. Don't let that 11 get to your outside. Have top cover, 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 cover. By three and a half, white flag. By three. Blaney leads off the end of the back straightaway. Three checker, checker flag. Did it! Woo! That time is over. You want a billion dollars. Good job, guys. Good job, man. Thanks for staying calm for me. Welcome to TrackSmack here on TrackSmackRadio.com. Don Hall here with you for another edition of TrackSmack. We've got a jam-packed show. First of all, we want to, as always, recognize and thank uh, NASCAR on Fox and, and NASCAR for their radioactive, uh, their weekly segment that they put together with all of the audio, in-car audio, calls from the television, calls from the uh, uh, radio networks as well. They mix it all together. It's it's amazing stuff. You can find the videos up on YouTube. Uh, you can find them on Twitter as well, and I'm sure on Facebook as well. But uh, amazing, amazing stuff every week. I love it. It gets me jazzed up and ready to go for the show. And I know it gets my co-host uh, and and host. I'm using plurally this time. Plurally, I don't even know if that's a word, but we're going to find out from Mike Haig, who has taught English as well. So we'll see what he has to say. Um, Mike, of course, from RaceDayEssay.com. Mike is plurally a word, or have I now just created a new word? I think you created a new one, Don. Okay, well, it but, could you be know, used, right? We need, new, we need new words, but I have to look that one up actually because I don't know if that's a word. Florally. I don't know, but it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and exactly. uh, and once again, we're going to do the, the Mike Haig, uh, Michael Haig times two, because we have Michael Haig, your son, uh, joining us. He uh, just made it back here about an hour ago from uh, up here in the Arlington area. He was covering Big 12 baseball, were you not? That is correct. I was covering the Baylor Bears as they got eliminated today by Oklahoma State, but I had a lot of fun and there's still some more baseball. I'll be watching it and lots going on in that area. Beautiful field, huh? And stuff there. Oh, it's a, it's yeah. Globe life. I, I had never, I don't even think I've ever been in an MLB ballpark before. And I mean, for that to be my first one, I mean, off the charts. Yeah. It's, it's state of the art. Have you and Craig been yet to a game? No, not yet. We need yeah. They say it's really nice. And, you know, get this, Don, you know, Michael sends me home on Tuesday, puts me on an airplane, sends me home. He gets to stay behind and, and cover a couple games. Uh, uh, let's see. Today is Thursday. Uh, the tournament started yesterday. They played TCU and lost. Uh, so he, he got to see two great baseball games. But, uh, man, uh, he they, they fed him well in the press box. And, uh, uh, you know. He he hung out with us all week. We we corrupted him, I think. Taught him all the bad bad habits. And he, 
<laughs> he was taking pictures of food and stuff and sending it to you, huh? Well, just about, but no, he said he, he said the facilities were really great for the media and, um, and, uh, I'm really glad he got to do it. Yeah. We got, when we, we were given the, uh, food schedule, like when they were going to feed us and I swear to you, I was studying it. Like it was a scouting report. It, <laughs> I made, I made sure I made every meal I could while I was there. See, he learned, now he learned that from me. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and again, but we make jokes about it, but here's the thing. There's a lot of pro sports and and college sports and stuff that they don't feed there's even some nascar races nascar tracks where they don't feed the media and you know people don't understand that for the most part and 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 we'll just use the nascar thing for you know because that's what we're talking about but for race weekends most media gets and, and by most media i mean pretty much everybody but myself um get to the racetrack early in the morning hours before the track even opens and they're there hours after everything is done and you know you're not allowed or you're not supposed to bring your own stuff in they they get pretty strict about that so now now i'm i'm guessing if if the facility does not provide then they'll allow and i i do see some guys i've seen pocris and some others bring grapes and fruit and snacks and stuff in some places yeah. are a little more lenient than others um but you want to take advantage of that because it's free. Now, there are other media places I know and other tracks that do offer um, food and stuff, but it's not free. The media has to pay for it. And yeah, so, and it's you know, pretty expensive too. Yeah. So we take advantage, you know, of those, of those times and stuff because it's not a guarantee. And even though Texas Motor Speedway provides us food, I mean, Mike, there's times when, you know, Let's say we've been there all day. Well, we'll eat at 3.30 or so, or 3.30 or 4 before a race starts, if it starts in the evening or whatnot. Um, but you're there till 1 in the morning or something. And so yeah. a lot of times there's, that's just got to tie you over. And you're right. And like Michael and I on Sunday, we were there. Uh, we were we were there with Bob Pockers in the morning. We were one one of the first ones there, and we were the one of the last ones out. Well, we left with Bob Pockers and, uh, and John Sturban. I'm, I think it was one what one thirty in the morning or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And it had to be. We got there. Hours. We got there. What at eleven thirty? Or yeah, yeah. I think we aimed to get there around so eleven like thirty. What a thirteen hour day, fourteen yeah, hour. Day. Oh yeah. So the, the, the mills came in handy, but, uh, but the mills are also good. And we, we write about them and talk about them. You know, they, they do some good, good food up there. So um, anyway, uh, I don't know how we went down that path, but. <laughs> well, we're talking about, about Michael's excursion there at, at, in Arlington and, and how he, he learned, he, he's yeah. learned from you. He, you know, and he studied the, the food schedule so that he knew how to go about planning, how he was going to cover things and work on things and still be able to, mm -hmm. to, to nourish his body in doing so. So, yeah. And he actually wrote the story right there at the, uh, at the, at the, at the ballpark in the media room and, uh, did they did they did the interviews there? So it was a good learning experience for him as he uh, starts his second year of college now. And, uh, and I, th I thought it was just great. And it's great to have him here. So we, we brought him into the studios here in South Texas, the Tracksmack <laughs> South studio, yeah, <laughs> you might say, yeah. AKA the, bed, the bedroom, <laughs> the master <laughs> bedroom. But now we brought Michael in because uh, I wanted him to help wrap us, wrap up the weekend. Cause we had an incredible weekend, Dawn. I mean, I, I tell you what, with all the threat, of rain and, 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 and the weather and everything. It was beautiful weather. It was hot the first couple of days. And then the front came in, man, it was downright cool and pleasant for that race on Sunday. And, you know, with the, between the Blake Shelton concert and all the other 
activities they had going on. It was just an action packed weekend. It was, it was. And, and I was glad that Michael, uh, was able to be a part of it. And, and I tell you guys, I mean, and, and then we'll wrap up talking about that kind of stuff, but I, I mean, I ag- admire, and I, I'm, I'm saying this seriously. I admire Michael or Michael, the way I watched you work and stuff there. You reminded me so much of your dad and being able, it is something for you guys as writers to, to be able to sit in there. And stay focused and sit and write stories while you're in there. There is no way. I mean, A, I'm just a terrible writer, but there's no way I could do it. I can't sit still in there. Like, I mean, you saw, I mean, Mike Haig knows this, but Michael, you saw, like, I'll go in there and I'll sit. And actually, I want to say for the All-Star Race, I kind of sat in there a little longer than I normally would. But I like to be out there and and taking videos and stuff. The only reason really honestly why I came in and was in there as long is because I needed to charge my phone battery because my phone battery was, (laughs) was pretty much dead. I just, I'm too, and I'm not even ADD, but my attention span, I could not sit there and, and, and knowing that all that action is going on out there. And I, I just, I want to be a part of it and see it out there. And so I, I admire you guys for being able to stay focused and, and, and beat out these stories and stuff, because there's no way I could do it. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Again, it's obviously not for everyone, but I'll tell you what, learning from this guy over here my whole life, that's, that's what's prepared me to, to be able to do stuff like that. That's quite a compliment. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> but, you know, Don, uh, one of the things that, uh, like Michael and I were, I, were, I was trying to explain to him, because he's never covered NASCAR before. He's been in NASCAR races, but then never, this is his first time to cover the sport. So we were like talking about storylines and what the, what the, what the story of the day is or whatever he could write about. Cause we, we were, we got a, a race story that we get from the NASCAR wire service. So we wanted to do some, something more in depth from the winner or whatever. And, but you don't know what's going to happen until the very last minute. And you're, so you got to be constantly watching and looking for things and thinking about, okay, this, this happened. And then when, when the window net came down and all that, that was, that became the story. And then look at all the aftermath now, NASCAR admitting that they made a mistake and we've got tons of audio we're going to play tonight and they've come out this week and and they have new uh, guidelines and things they're going to follow. So it's hard to cover these races. It's not easy. A lot of people think, oh, that's easy to sit in there and write a story, but you really got to pay attention and and um, and and it's, it's, it's tough. Well, and Matt Kreider, our good friend, Matt Kreider, I was talking to him the other day about um you know, going in there as a writer and like he said, you know, cause we were, we were discussing how a lot of times people in there in the media centers don't ask questions. And I made the comment to him because I've, I've become more vocal over the last, like maybe five or six years. I mean, and Mike will tell really? you when I first, well, but when I first <laughs> no, started, you I, know, no. I never asked questions. I know. I know. You're maybe right. Because I didn't even know if they would call on me because it, yeah. it was usually national stuff. Um, this time, and I'll, and I'll be honest with you guys, I was actually really kind of happy. Um, usually the Texas Motor Speedway guys normally handle the, the press stuff. And so they know who I am. So they'll call on me. But this time, and it was really kind of cool because the NASCAR people remembered my name and they were like, yeah. you know, okay. And Don, and they, they would go, you know, and they wouldn't hesitate or go to other people and stuff. And that made me feel good. Cause I felt like, okay, then they, they're legitimately recognizing that, you know, yeah. I'm invested in this. But Matt Kreider explained to me, Mike, and you could probably explain this a little bit more that the reason why a lot of people don't ask questions though, is because 
you know, and like when you wrote for the paper, for for example, you may have a set assignment that they have sent you on for, you know, what they want you to cover. So, yeah. you know, and so like Matt Kreider was saying, he's there to cover um, the event happening in his in his um county or whatever so yeah. he's not really there to he doesn't care what ryan blaney is saying in the winner circle or what you know in inter, individual interviews he's there to cover the overall event and, and yeah. discuss what's going on in the county and so i once he explained that that made a lot of sense why some people don't ask questions you know and they're just there they're writing they don't get up and go outside and go look at things because i've always michael i've always told your dad too i never could understand how there are legitimate people that go and never get up out of their seat and yeah, go, they and never walk go outside. To the, they never go to pit road. They never go to the garage area. They they stay in that building. And I, I don't see how they do it or why. I mean, and, and especially nowadays, it's like, why even go? You could do all of this remotely then. I mean, why are you there if you're not going out and taking in something, you know, I mean, from it. And see, I wanted him to experience the garage Pit Road, the box, the box where they sit, you know, whether they call it the box uh, on on Pit Road where they have the setup and everything. I wanted them to see tire changes and starts and and cautions, and Michael got to see all that. But to me, once you've seen it and you watch it on TV, the TV only does it just so much justice. I think you know, it's so so much better in person, and and that's what I was what I wanted him to experience was the real everything you know and i think he got to see you know and to me the the guy to watch is pacris because he's i mean he's everywhere (laughs) you watch watch how much you know he's in there in the media center then an accident will happen and there he goes out to go to the haulers or wherever to get to to grab an interview as soon as the guys come out of the infill care center or wherever he's right there and then he comes running back into the media center i mean it's just it's it's crazy um, I, I did that a couple of times when I first started out and I'm too old now to try to be running that much. I'm like, no, I'll just wait for the, now I do what some of the other guys or people do. And I watch them this week in the media centers, they stand there and they just hold up their recorders and they record the audio that's playing over the, the speaker the, the broadcast, yeah, <laughs> the broadcast. but, um, but no, I mean, it was great to have you. And I'm glad Michael, that you got to see behind the scenes because honestly, I mean, I've covered a lot of sports. I've covered NFL, NBA. Um, I've done some major league baseball stuff as well. And it is, and, and definitely I've done college stuff and it's unlike anything else to have to cover. There's just so much going on. Uh, it, it definitely, I mean, it wears you out. It, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to rest for a few days now because you've been extremely busy. Yeah, I mean, going into it, I mean, first off, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> going into this, I truly didn't know what to expect. Um, I think, you know, all sorts of satisfaction coming out of it were exceeded by a mile. I, mm-hmm. I would 100% go back. And uh, we were talking about that. I think we're going to be able to work out to where I can go back up to TMS uh, in late September yeah. because uh, Baylor football is playing on the road that Saturday. So I think I can, and I'm only an hour and a half away. So I think I can make it. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and they, and Dave Hart instead to put in credentials. Well, we'd love to have you back. I, yeah, and you know, I've even I I talked to my friend Mike Benson before, but um, I'll throw this out there because Mike knows I'm a terrible writer, and I would love to start doing more things. But Tracksmack Radio, I have an 
I mean, I'll give you my login stuff. I have an open blog spot there where if you wanted yeah. to blog, you're welcome to. I'll give you the the access to it. And I would love to have you blog any time that you would want to um, because that is something that I definitely have wanted to incorporate into the website and stuff. Yeah. I'm just terrible at it. Um, yeah. I write from the perspective, Mike knows this, I've talked to him before about it because, and again, Mike is a journalism, you know, and a former journalism teacher and English teacher as well. And I told him, I said, and I've had a lot of people tell me just blog, just my concern is that I'm not a writer. And when I write, I'm writing as if I'm talking to you. And so there's going to be grammatical errors. There's going to be all sorts of stuff. But I've also been told nowadays that in blogging, that really doesn't matter, that it's just about putting your thoughts out there. So um, it is something that I'd like to get into, but I would love to um, to get different perspectives on things and, and put as many, you know, I'm interested in other people who would like to put blogs up on my website. Um, so any listeners or something that are down for that, I, we can make arrangements and I'll, I'll put your blogs up on the website. Um, I, yeah. I just, I think it's great. Well, the, the, you're right. And and with all the other stuff we did this weekend with the covering the races, you know, with the photo galleries we put up, the, the race stories and Michael's stories and the, everything, uh, we actually cranked out two uh, shows we on, on TracksMacRadio.com. So be sure and go in the archives and check those out because uh, we got two shows uh, that we did live from the track and Michael was a part of that too. So that was cool. And uh, now we're wrapping things up from the we weekend a, we have a butt ton of audio that we didn't even get up yet and we're still talking about mike yeah. we're still saying we still think we may put together well, a little smackcast or, or and put it out there i've got part of it done i just oh okay it, <laughs> it, there's only so many days in the week and our hours in the day you might say but man i came home i don't know about you dawn and this one here kept me up a little late at night these college kids i'm not used to staying up till <laughs> two three in the morning after we got back from the hotel uh, and I got a funny story real quick too, but anyway, um, I was worn out. I was beat, man. I was tired. It's it taken me several days to recover, uh, from this trip. I went to bed last night. I kid you not. I called Craig and I'm sorry, we will talk racing here in a minute. I called Craig and I told him I may be asleep by the time you get home, but I went to bed last night at like seven 45 and I was out. And I mean, I don't know if it's because the week that we were on vacation, you know, we were driving the traveling, we really, we got up early in the mornings and we stayed up late at night and then immediately going to Texas and doing everything at Texas and then jumping back into work on Monday. I just have been, I was exhausted physically out of it and I just needed a good night's sleep and I finally got one. Yeah. And was it the first night we were there that everything was closed? No, that was after the ex- no, that was after the truck race, right? Because that was the that was the night race. Yeah, yep, it was. So we leave the we leave the the track at what midnight, mm-hmm. thinking that like Denny's and McDonald's, man, everything's closed up. They're not open twenty four hours up there in Dallas. We couldn't find anything to eat. Oh man, the water so we wasn't open right there. No, they were they were closed as well. That's crazy. And I guess it's COVID, I guess, you know, staffing issues and stuff like that. But even the Denny's, it said 24 hours. Uh, so we ended up going to the QT. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, we got some good snacks. I got a really good sandwich yeah. and it really worked out. I was, I was fat and happy when I went to bed. So, so well, thank hey, you, QT. <laughs> there you go, QT. And, and Hey, I, you know, before surgery, I, I would definitely partake in these. Now I, I haven't had any since surgery, but I am one of these people that um, I'm obsessed with gas station like burritos. Um, I don't know why. I think they're good. <laughs> so I just, 
sounds like disaster. <laughs> it does. It does. And, you know, there's times when it can be, but they're good. I mean, they're, they're like the Dairy Queen burritos that you get. They're those, those good burritos. Um, and then, you know, there's some, there's, you get lucky not on the road trip, like every gas station we went to had it. Um, but Hunt Brothers Pizza is in a lot of gas oh, yeah. stations. And Hunt Brothers yeah. Pizza is good, but. They're good. Well, guys, we will um, let's let's set up what we're going to do tonight because we've got a lot. Um, and one of the things that we we talked about this, we've started doing on our show because there's one thing. OK, when we were talking about at the racetrack and how you have to kind of like go through and decide what it is you're going to talk about or, or cover because there's so many things that go on. It can get overwhelming. We've started to do this with the podcast as well. Uh, instead of Mike and I rambling on like I'm doing right now. We've really tried to bring in a lot more audio and, and go audio heavy because we know that you guys want to hear it. Um, a lot of people don't get to hear stuff during the day. They may not have Sirius XM or, or they may not be on social media to see these things. So we try to find as much audio as we can and yeah. try to get it up and play. And then we discuss that because it, it definitely plays a part in this. Now, covering the race at Texas, Mike and, and Michael – um, we're out on the front stretch and got a lot of great audio themselves. We have audio of questions that, you know, all of us have had asked ourselves and stuff instead of having to use other people's stuff like we normally do. Um, so we're going to be very audio heavy tonight with stuff from the All-Star Race. Uh, we've got a Coke 600 preview. We've got some NASCAR breaking news and stuff that broke today. Um, then, of course, how can we forget it's Indy 500 weekend? Yeah. We've got lots of audio from the Indy 500 from the front row guys. Um, we'll talk Jimmy Johnson, some other Indy 500 news. Thank God NHRA is off this week. So oh, yeah. we don't need to talk about that because we've got plenty. And, of course, <laughs> we'll give you our picks at the end of the show for both the Indy 500 and the Coke 600. So, guys, be thinking about that. Um. So where do so let's let's dive in. Let's go back. Um, we covered the All Star Race from Texas Motor Speedway, and let's set the record straight, Mike and Michael. First and foremost, great crowd on hand. Yeah, uh, I know there's a lot of people that will debate that and say, "Oh, it looks so empty. The uh, turn four was so empty, and blah blah blah." Okay, I'm not saying that there was two hundred thousand people there, but there was a hell of a lot more people than have been there in like the last three years. Yeah, so, and a lot more than the IndyCar race earlier this year when I was up there. So right, they were still spread out a little bit, and they were, yeah. you know, and and but they were going up to the top, and they were spread out throughout the turn. And again, Mike, I, I know it's so dumb that we have to do this, but we really need to set in perspective for people. Texas Motor Speedway is a huge track. And look, yeah. you know, you can go and watch these short tracks like Bristol and Martinsville and, you know, some of the tracks like Phoenix and others that have bannered up a lot of their seating areas. So even though they're selling, they're saying sellouts, there's a lot of their areas that have been bannered up with flags yeah. and banners and stuff. Texas has done the same thing, but not quite as much. So yeah. there's still a lot of what looks to be open seating at Texas, but it's a huge facility The literally the grandstands wrap from turn four all the way around past turn one going into turn two. So, yeah. I mean, it, it's a big facility that hasn't gone back and, and taken seats out and those kind of things. The only thing yeah. that they removed was they don't sell, sell seats in the back stretch anymore. And then they, for a long time, and Mike, you, you know this, for a long time, they brought in 
portable seats that are seating that was there in turn three and four or yeah. turn three going into turn four. So um, those are no longer there. But one, they, one thing they did on the back straightaway, they put it in Burnout Alley with those RV, the RV slots. And actually, it, it, Burnout Alley was is sold out this year is what I've been told. Now, I don't know if they if every, everyone who has a, a spot there was there this weekend. I didn't look to see if it was completely full, but I do know. Burnout Alley was sold out this year, so that that's great. And I'm, there's, I think, over twenty or thirty, maybe more than that, slots along that back stretch that you can park your RV and and then it's pretty pretty cool, you know. Yeah, it's up there underneath Big Hoss, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. The infield so. was was good and full. Um, yeah. You know, so it it was a good crowd. And from Mike, from what I have seen on Twitter, from people who were there at the race, and I'm just going to speak for myself, from my perspective at the race, I thought it was great. I mean, I I didn't think it it was, yes, it got boring in parts, you know, Mm -hmm. it it usually does on these mile and a half tracks. But I thought overall, it, it was exciting. I mean, the weekend was great. The truck race was an amazing truck race. The Xfinity race was great. Yeah, um, you know, so, we, had, we had quite a bit of drama and action in the in the in the in the All Star race. Yeah, so I would say that the overall sentiment from people who were at the racetrack was it was a it was a really good weekend. People had a great time, and in the end, that's all that matters. I mean, you know, Dale Junior uh, um, on his podcast this week, and by the way, it's a great podcast. You got to go listen to the Dale Junior download. We're going to play some audio from it here in a little while, but he made a comment too which I thought was amazing. I saw it on Twitter and retweeted it. Basically, he said, you know, look, not every race is going to be like the most amazing jaw-dropping thing you ever see. There are going to be races where mm-hmm. it gets strung out, it gets boring, you know, there's going to be – and people forget, Mike, it was just a month and a half, two months ago that we were watching some pretty crappy short track racing. Um, you know, I mean, and I know yeah. everybody wants oh. to talk about how great short tracks is and we need more short tracks. Well, no, there's some issues still with the short tracks that we got to fix. Well, Richmond and and, and uh, Martinsville mm-hmm. weren't, weren't weren't really good. You can't really talk about Bristol because that they had dirt, you know, on the track. But we'll we'll find out later this summer when they have the night race. Right. So again, and yeah. and I get that, but yes, there are issues with Texas. There have been issues with Texas since they did the reconfiguration and tried to fix the weepers and stuff a few years back, and. Mike, in my honest opinion, SMI and and the folks at Texas, they are going to have to go back yeah, and, and fast and figure something out for Texas because you're not going to continue to bring people in when it's when the track is getting the and excuse my French, but the shitty publicity that it's getting. You know, it, and it is, it got trashed. I mean, there was so much tr- trash by people who weren't there, who were watching on TV, just trashing it. But there were some drivers who did give their opinions, others who didn't. But, yeah, we had the audio too. Right. And we'll discuss that. But again, we've got audio from years back where drivers love coming to Texas. We have audio from a month and a half ago from IndyCar drivers that thought that the race was going to suck because of the PJ one and stuff for them. And they had one of the most amazing races and outcomes that they had ever had at Texas motor speedway. So you yeah. just never know. <laughs> and and Mike, right. the, the biggest issue with this race, honestly, from, from what everyone said was the tires, there was no fall off on the tires. Mm-hmm. Uh, so passing became hard and dif- or difficult. Yeah, and they, they said some of the NASCAR guys said they brought too good of a tire. They brought too good of a tire, and the biggest issue is there was a thirty degree 
change in the temperature. Yeah, from so, one day to the next. Right. So, I mean, those are things that you can't really help, especially on a brand new car that you're not sure. Of, well, you know, I think Goodyear uh, brought this tire in because they, they they knew that in the latter part of May up in the Dallas Fort Worth area, you're talking 90 degree plus weather. Mm hmm every day and then on the pavement it's well over 100 degrees on that on that on that track so but then the fact that we had a 61 degree temperature most of the day on sunday and cloud cover yeah cloud cover that it really changed the whole dynamic of everything yeah it did so you know these were all things to take into consideration but the the drivers were complaining now of some bumps going into three and four which is interesting um because it's usually one and two that they've that they've talked about quite a bit but um very very um bumpy and kind of throwing things out of whack for them going into three and four so these are things that the track and like i said an smi are gonna have to look at and you know i think mike after seeing what we saw in atlanta Mm -hmm. um you hear a lot of talk about maybe reconfiguring Texas into more of a short track style. You're not um, do it. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't see it happening. I wouldn't mind seeing them go. Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing it go the opposite and go to a super speedway and have another yeah. super speedway race. Yeah. That wouldn't that be cool. I mean, the facility is big enough to, to do it. So, um, you know, change it up, but, um, Dale Jr. And Denny have, they they talk about this. We'll have the audio a little bit later, but I want you to, if you haven't heard it, I want you to hear it because um, they, I think they've come up with a good idea. Awesome. Well, let's let's start with Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney wins the race. Controversial finish. Uh, there was all kinds of crap. <laughs> he thought he won, but the, the Ultra race is different. You have to win under the uh, checker flag. There are no, uh, it, you know, you it's not drop the white flag and then you know we the finish is going to be done. It can't end under a caution. So we get a caution, uh, a late race caution, and it ends up, that caution ends up being controversial too. We'll talk about that. But basically Blaney celebrating, didn't see the caution flag or lights come out after he crossed, takes his window net down. And then you heard, you heard on the radioactive, his spotter and them telling him it's not over and and panic sets in because it's very difficult to get a window net back up from the inside. In fact, if you listen to Denny Hamlin and others, they will tell you it's damn near impossible. Um, Somehow Ryan Blaney was able to get the net up to where NASCAR felt that it was up and secure. Um, (laughs) There's Denny Hamlin and others that, that disagree. And they say otherwise. Yeah. We'll discuss that because I think it's valid. The the reasons that Denny Hamlin brings up, I think are extremely valid, but Mm -hmm. We've got audio from Ryan Blaney there. He, basically, we get a restart. Ryan Blaney goes on to win the race for the second time. Um, so, so he 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 backed it up. He did win, and um, one million dollars too. That was really cool. Million dollars. So yeah. So let's yeah. let's go, Mike. You set us all up with our. All audio. right. What do we got? So first, this is the uh, winner's uh, interview on the uh, front straight front straightaway with Jamie Little and Ryan Blaney. Here we go. No matter what happened, the circumstances at the end, he wants to run up and get his flag. Ryan Blaney dominated the night. Oh, he's giving your little 12 fan right there, letting him keep the flag. Ryan, I know it was wild there at the end, but the bottom line is you are an all-star, a million dollars. It was all about your team tonight. What kind of party can we expect from you? I don't know. I, uh, 
I, 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 it was about to be real, real bad for us. If <laughs> I thought the race was over, everyone thought the race was over and I already had my window down and, and, uh, I do want to thank NASCAR for letting me kind of fix it and not make us come down pit road. Uh, but, um, yeah, that was really tough. Uh, and then, you know, having to do it all over again after trying to get that window net back up there, but great car, uh, Jonathan has everybody on this 12 group did a great job. I uh, can't thank Menards forward enough, uh, Dex imaging, body armor, Vance auto parts for everything that they do. Dent wizard. Um, this is cool. I know it's not a points winning race, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Cars are going to be pretty big. So I am Blaney wins the all-star race. And you can hear the fireworks in the background, Dawn. That was a great fireworks show. And that audio there was courtesy of Fox uh, Sports. And uh, so we, we thank them for letting us use that there. And, uh, yeah, you know, despite the fact that they redid the caution uh, and, you know, extended the race of the green, green white checkered, uh, he still was able to get the, the victory. So, Good, good, good for him, Michael. You want to add anything? Yeah, I was just gonna. One thing I know because I that was the first time I had heard that audio just straight on, uh, straight off pit road, um, in victory lane. But you can still kind of, and I know these guys are tired after the race, but you can still kind of hear that distress in his voice from being in that moment. I mean, I can you imagine just being in that and having to do what he did? Yeah, no, I mean, and then like to go from this uh jubilation and stuff and and you know and and like they were saying and a lot of the guys i know were talking about this during the week and they were saying you know that for a lot of um uh and in fact our good friend brad gilly was discussing it on his show and he said you know he feels like a lot of guys it's like that relief when the race is over you instantly go and you let the window net down you know it's just like that ah, that excel or exhale and you know for him to do that and then can you imagine just the sheer panic of Oh, shit. I mean, you heard him say it. He's like, oh, cr-, you know, although he didn't say crud. Um, of, what am I going to do? You know, because if that was oh. a race situation, if that was a normal race, he he would have immediately been brought down pit road and he wouldn't have restarted up in the lead. Um, no. But that was kind of the argument that Denny Hamlin and others were saying is they felt like from a safety standpoint, it was ridiculous that NASCAR didn't bring him down, that they felt like he should that bring him down and then let him restart up at the front where he was. But from a safety standpoint, especially on a restart on a uh, basically a green white checker restart kind of deal from from a safety standpoint alone, that he should have been brought down pit road. They should have made sure let his team put that window net up and make sure that it was secure, that they they are lucky that nothing happened, that there was no accident. And because I even heard Denny Hamlin go on and say that that was a lawsuit waiting to happen. Yeah. And I, Michael, I'm not sure if you saw when they when they do, you know, gentlemen, start your engines and the drivers get in the car and everything. The crew chief stands there at the car with the driver, and the crew chief is actually the one who hooks the net up. You see the crew chiefs, most of the crew chiefs reach in there and assist the driver getting the net up. So it's not easy. These drivers have these big gloves on, and, you know, you're trying to drive, and he's trying to – it's dark, and you can't see, and you're trying to – do this, you know, hook it well, back and they're up. They're so taunt the the they pull them so tight and they're so taunt that that's what makes it so difficult. And that's what he was. That's why he was really struggling. Well, and mind you, he's also still driving around the track doing the caution laps. Yeah. I mean, he's talk about multitasking. And <laughs> and, and another thing he mentioned because it's like you said, like usually the crew chief assists in that process. It it pretty much takes two people to put that thing up. 
And the fact that he even remotely managed to to just have it secure enough to, for that green white checker finish is is insane to me. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. And something else to think about now, especially when it comes to the longer races, like the four and 500 mile deals. But um, your your dad and I, we, we've seen this plenty of times because we make jokes about it all the time. These drivers, when they get out of those cars and they're done, they have the shakes really bad. Their hands and stuff are still, you know, you go out and mow your yard or whatever. Your, your hands will be vibrating for a while afterwards, you know, from the vibration and stuff. And these drivers, they, they get out because we talk about them and being in pit road and they give them them six shooters and we're all like ducking and stuff because their hands. <laughs> Hands are so shaky still. Um, So that's another thing. You're trying to latch, get this latched into a a little area, a little spot. You've got shaky hands with gloves on. Um, Yeah. So, um, and they're still hooked up and stuff to their devices. And also there's not a lot of movement there in the car. Yeah. But. So so second place uh, finisher, Denny Hamlin, wasn't very happy. (laughs) No, he was not. (laughs) <laughs> and so we we caught up with him. So the rest of the audio for second through fifth place is courtesy of me. Uh, my son and I were out there. We we captured it uh, all the audio ourselves. The bullpen interviews is what they call this, and uh, which is something I haven't done in a long time. So I was glad to get out there because usually I just let NASCAR or I wait on NASCAR to send me the. I'm glad y'all uh, did it. I was over in Victory Lane, so I was yeah. trying to do Victory Lane video. So I was glad that y'all y'all did it. And then I had to run down and try to find y'all. <laughs> yeah, and you and you did. So, th- so this is Denny Hamlin, and this is what he had to say about everything that went down with this caution and the win here. Like we got given one for sure, uh, but we've had the fast car four weeks in a row, and somebody else got the win because we made a mistake. So it's not. There are no moral victories. Uh, just because someone should win uh, doesn't mean that uh, they should win. You felt they should have blacked by him for what happened Bob, I'm sure you will tweet the rule. Yeah. At some point. I mean, they told and it's not, listen, I'm not trying to, this isn't a Denny Hamlin judgment call. I'm just saying, whatever the rule is, let's be consistent and play by the rule. It's unfortunate because he made a mistake. Um, he should have won the race. He's 100 yards from winning the race. But many cars have not won races because of green, white, checkered or because of a mistake on a restart at the end. It's, those things happen. I just all I ask is that we know what the rules are and we and we play by them. Where NASCAR really got away with one is we nearly crashed off two, and so when I send them headfirst into traffic and the wind is down, the wind net's down. I don't know, you know. Then they've got then they got a lawsuit on their hands. I don't know what they thought he had gotten it up there because he was trying to get it up. But could you see it down on the? Yeah, of course he's trying to get it up, but inside the car you can't get. It. You can't get it back out. It's, it's impossible. They got those things so tight anyway. Um, again, most deserving winner, but if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. And I'm just, I don't, I don't want charity. I just want to play by the rules. That's it. And I see you don't blame him for staying out there and waiting for them to black flag him. Oh yeah, you got to make. Oh yeah, absolutely. If they if they just, you know, look away and turn the other way and say that rule don't count right now, then then sure, but. More power to them. Are you saying that if you were in the same position, you'd do the same thing? Oh, 100%. 100%. But shit. I mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know whether it's a moral problem that they had. They were like, well, we cost them the win because we threw the caution and we hate to take away that. From- I think they just had a moral dilemma instead of just playing by 
the rules like they're supposed to. It's just, I mean, listen, we've been talking about inconsistencies in the up at the tower for ages, and it's just no different this week. What else? Did you think this is a tough place to pass? But did you think you had a shot? Uh, it was, I mean, did you feel like you had a shot on that last Well, I, I definitely had a shot. If, if Daniel just would have been a little closer to me and, and gotten a better start, uh, I ripped through one and two and got right to his outside, but I just couldn't uh, couldn't quite. I mean, I was two inches from staying beside I think he was going to come up anyway, and we probably would have crashed if, even if he wasn't clear, but uh, we needed to be up further next to him off the turn two. Last question, guys. Talk us about that two-tire stop. Did you feel like that was the right choice? It was. We just lost the balance of our car later. You know, passing was you know so impossible today that you know, it was just whoever could get out front was going to take off. And so we needed a tire advantage to try to gain on them. But once we got clean air, we were just too loose because you set up these cars for traffic because they plow. And, and once you get up front, the, the balance changes completely. So we made the right call. My crew chief and my team did everything they could to give me an opportunity win. I just didn't. And there you go, Don. That's Den- Denny Hamlin there. And uh, Michael, Don, what do you think? Is Denny justified in w- w- comments and his opinions there? What do you think? I got four words for you, Denny Hamlin, and for and for Michael, because Michael may not know this. As soon as I get him out of my mouth, Mike, you'll know because we want to make the T-shirt. Consistency to be inconsistent. That is yeah. NASCAR. Yeah, so, consistently inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Um I mean, that's all I can say on it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He, I feel like he wasn't wrong at all. Um, the biggest takeaway for me out of that, because I, I had kind of showed up at the midway point of, of there of that uh, presser, but the biggest takeaway for me was his whole take on look like two wrongs don't make a right. Whether he 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 mentioned that he brought up the fact that you know Blaney one hundred percent deserved to win that race. He had the fastest car, but morally you just you just can't give him the win if he has a a problem like that with his window where that's potential for a black flag i mean it, it's it's a tough situation and it's an all-star race so there's circumstances and different rules and different things but i feel like in the moment it's one of those things where everyone's just kind of going with their gut and you just kind of have to live with the consequence and someone is going to get mad at the end of the day and yeah. i think the at least the the biggest positive i can see out of it is at least Blaney still won the race because it, with that caution, it really, I mean, Hamlin was running really well with, with Cindric not giving uh, Blaney the push there at the end. He was liable to lose that. I mean, yeah. what do you think if this would have been a regular race, what do you think would have happened or would, you know, what do you think the outcome would have been? Because this, I mean, this, this was huge and it could have been a regular race. Yeah. It could have been the Daytona 500. Or Talladega, you know, or Pepsi 400 or some big race like that. Brickyard 400. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know what the thing is, is it's like, and I'm never one to give NASCAR the benefit of the doubt, but I almost feel like you have to in this situation because they did recognize right away that they made a mistake. But at that point, do you penalize the guy who just went across the checker, you know, do you penalize him because you made a mistake? I mean, I could see if there was 
five or six laps left or whatever. But that was the final lap. And, and you know, it's like he didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't his fault. And if they, I honestly feel like, because, Mike, there was a lot of confusion. I was in victory lane and we're all thinking, okay, Blaney won. And then I look up at the, even before the caution, I looked up because well, all of a sudden I see that there's still five laps left on the thing. And then I see them waving the caution flag. And I was like, wait a minute. What the, you know. And I tell you, there'd be some pissed off fans throwing stuff. I, I well, honestly feel. If Michael they- and I were down on pit road there, oh, yeah. waiting in the bullpen area where they where they were going to do the bullpen uh, after the race, and we we saw on them. We we're watching one of the team's monitors there, and they showed the Fox uh, network showed uh, uh, the, the twelve uh, the whole crew out uh, jumping up down celebrating on on. Uh, on pit road and all of a sudden wait a minute wait a minute yeah because because they were showing like unofficial results that yeah. they started getting tallied in we're thinking oh it's over and and then all of a sudden like we glance away we look back at the monitors and, and like you said don five more laps to go and we're like what like did something happen like, yeah it's I, like what what do, we, what do we miss we didn't realize what had taken place what, what was who was it? eric jones no it was no, it, it was, was uh ricky stenhouse ricky on the, on the back stretch right. right hit the wall yeah 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 just hit the wall and and then it's one of those situations where they just called the caution and you know it was probably i mean we're talking yards here before blaney crossed it's just such a tough call well we saw the checkered flag waving oh yeah right but here's the thing mike and and now i'm only speaking for us okay because we were out at the track if you listen though in that radioactive and i thought that this was very important part in that radioactive you heard mike joy say before they um before the restart when they were coming remember that the race cannot end under a caution this That's is the all-star race yes in under under a green flag yeah yes and he yeah. said that now that doesn't take away but immediately I caught that. well i caught that at the beginning of the show when you played that Right, because I hadn't heard that again because we weren't watching the the oh. televised version of it. So for for Mike to put that out there, and again, you know, fans in the stands didn't hear that. So you know, we're all like, "What?" You know, I mean, because and again, you know, it's it's the special rules and stuff for the All Star race. Um, but I I do feel like NASCAR made the right decision. What now? I think they were wrong in not bringing Blaney down and making sure that the window net was checked and then letting him take his position back there. I do feel like that's the, a mistake that they made as far as the Blaney situation goes. But definitely he shouldn't have been black flagged or what i mean to me black flag yeah. you know, means you you bring him in and he has to go a lap down or whatever and that's not what they just needed to roll him down and and let him let his crew chief come out there and secure it and and I was going to say, it's not the crew chief that does it. It's the car chief. And they're, you know, they're, yeah. it's, it's, but just, right. just because, I, you know, right. you know how people are nowadays. No, no, it's not. No, so it's the car chief. Um, <laughs> but um, crew chief is already up in the in the in the box. Uh, all nice and cushy yeah. on his little thing. So, <laughs> all That's right. True. So next, though, we've got audio. I know you you said from uh, Cendric and, and Logano and Suarez. We've got lots of stuff. So yeah. uh, let's get let's get their viewpoints. You guys were down there um, in the bullpen on pit road. Uh, so this is you guys' audio that y'all have. Yeah, and how about Austin Cendrick? Don, third place finish in the Ford there, and he's had a great season. So here's what Austin had to say. Well, obviously not the uh, results you wanted, but just what are your overall thoughts on the race? Yeah, honestly, a really strong day for Team Penske in general, being able to get all three of our cars locked in to the to the front row for track position. And, um, yeah, I, I think it shows a lot, of, a lot of hard work and effort and discipline and uh, a well-executed race on the, on the two cars. So proud to be able to do that. 
although it's our shortest race of the year. So, um, and then we go into our longest race of the year. So hopefully there's things we can apply to a points race. You know, I, I wish that could have gotten me a whole bunch of stage points and a playoff point and all the good stuff. But instead, that just makes me feel good inside. Otherwise, it's a third place finish. It doesn't really matter except for uh, kind of momentum on, on the two car. The year the team's had has kind of been a little awkward. Been back and forth. You won the 500. Logano has a win. You guys have two locked in. But you guys haven't really had that consistency throughout the season. Does this kind of performance... Is that one of those things that just helps turn it around and give you guys that data that you need? I think it does for a couple reasons. You know, I know the three of us weren't the same tonight. Um, so as far as just learning things and learning throughout the company, and you know, it, it, honestly, this race is an opportunity for us to be aggressive. So when you want to do a change overnight, you just yeah, screw it. Why not? Let's see what happens. And uh, I think that mentality, that aggressive mentality, pays off when everybody's driving the same cars. And you know, we have a field of some incredibly talented drivers. So. Um, I think it's uh, I think it's safe to say that there's not one real team or organization that's really got their head out. Uh, you could point as a favorite right now. I think it swings week to week in a lot of ways. And um, tonight, you could look at Team Penske and say that we were we had the best cars tonight. And, um, just trying to figure out what we did right and what to bring forward. There you go, Don and Michael. That's uh, Austin Cindric and um, good job, Michael. Starting off that little interview session. That was your question there. Yeah, yeah. That was I. I mean, we were all just kind of standing there. I was like, I'll go. Like, I, I guess I'll, I'll be the starter. I mean, first race here. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but I tell you, the the Penske. Oh, go ahead, Don. I was gonna say he probably appreciated it because it's a different face down there, so not the same people asking the questions. So yeah, exactly. But the Penske cars look good this weekend on the mile and a half. They did. And and once again, and you heard it in the radioactive, somebody said something about those Penske clowns or whatever they said. Penske, those guys, you can guarantee are going to work together. If they have an opportunity to work together, they are going to work together. That organization, that is what it's built around. And then when you get to the final lap or whatnot, if, if, if it's Penske guys up there racing for the win, then it's made the best car win but throughout the race and in order to get them up there they will block other people in order to help a teammate they will do whatever it is that they need to do to make sure that that organization is well represented and and up in the front and and good on them for doing it a lot of teams can't seem to to get their their orders right you know and and work together the way that the penske cars do you're definitely right don and i believe uh ryan hasn't had a win this season so far yeah, I don't think so either. That is, that's correct. That, yeah. that was his first one. I know this was a non-points race, but I would imagine this is going to give him some momentum going into the 600 this weekend. Yeah, because he's had some good races. He just hasn't been able to to get it across the finish line. He's been he's been hovering up there in the standings, doing well points wise. But something like this, like y'all said, I mean it it's got to boost yeah. him well for the rest of the for the back end of the schedule and the slate. Well, he's second in points. He's fifty two points out of the lead. Chase Elliott leads the point standings right now. Now I know this was not a nine points race, but still, um, a victory like this can definitely help. I would think to motivate the team and him to do well for the six hundred Sunday. So oh, absolutely, and keep in mind, it was just a week or two ago that Joey Logano got his first win to lock him in, and then leaving this All Star race with his team winning, um, getting the fastest uh, pit stop and stuff off of there during that race and all. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a big momentum boost for that entire team. Yeah, and speaking of Joey, uh, we have audio from him. He finished fourth, and here's what he had to say. Uh, you know, fantastic to see the the pit crew uh, level up when it when it mattered the most, and uh, you know, 
knock one out. Uh, you know, everybody did a good job. And, and, and the fun part about that, it's, it's, it's everything, right? It's rolling time. So it's setting the dash, right. It's getting in and out of the stall and the pit crew doing their job. And, uh, and, you know, but nothing to lose in the position we were, it was all or nothing. And, uh, he was able to get it. the, the bummer part is you restart third <laughs> and, I, I guess it's maybe being greedy. I should just be happy we started towards the front. But uh, if you're not on the front row, you're you're not going to pass two cars unless they run into each other. And uh, considering their teammates, it's probably not going to happen. So uh, dirty air is just miserable tonight. Uh, really, really hard to pass. And um, you know, unless you can, you know, have the tire advantage like the eleven had to to get himself in position on the front row at the end. That's the only way you're going to have a chance uh, to to beat the top two cars. So um, just stop. <laughs> the rest of the race right there and you know third or fourth spot does it speak volumes to the pets were able to get it done at one point one through three especially on a track like this um yeah absolutely well i mean i think it, it all happened in different ways and i think that's what we should be proud of the most um i, I don't know if we uh i mean we were okay cars right we were pretty good um a lot of fast cars crashed uh you know i, I don't think we were the fastest cars by any means but we, we can get ourselves to the front one way or another, uh, whether it's on pit road, whether it was uh, good restarts and, and uh, or, or everyone just working really well together. Uh, you know, we were able to position ourselves in a great spot to win a million bucks. And um, so as a team, we should be very proud of that. Um, probably still need to be faster, though, because I think there's some cars that that wrecked that were really, really fast tonight. Let's look forward to 600. Uh, what do you expect, especially being like our endurance race? You better not screw up. Even though it's 600 miles, you better you better have a perfect 600 miles. Is that the recovery is not there right now? You you got to have 600 miles of perfection. Anything with this car that you're expecting? Yeah, yeah, more of that. <laughs> more of that. <laughs> Last one, Joey. Joey, really quick, uh, and I may have missed it when you were talking about it, but so far on these other mountain tracks, we we were able to see passing. So what is it? What is it about Texas at right now? The passing just quite very all having a lot of difficulties with passing. <laughs> I probably shouldn't comment. I don't want to be that girl. I probably want to walk this way. All those people are going through that turnout. Okay. Walk this way down. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And there you go, John and Joey Logano. Great question, and he wouldn't he wouldn't answer it, but uh, you know he wanted to. Yeah, I know he. I know he did because we all three commented. There was his PR person standing there, and there's a NASCAR PR person, and the NASCAR PR person and his PR person were looking at each other, giving each other looks, and then Joey looked at them both and made the comment. And I felt, I've never like, I don't know that I've ever been in a situation like that. It made me feel dumb. Like I, I felt like I asked something wrong. <laughs> but I was just like, oh God, I felt. I'm sorry. <laughs> like. I, I, in that moment, it felt like when, like, at least for me, when your mom gives you the look and, yeah. and like, you just know not to say something stupid or not to do something stupid. And you're like, Oh, like I need to, you know, like straighten up, let me fix my tie or something like you need to, it, 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 that, that definitely happened. And I thought it was a fair question. It was a great question. We were all kind of looking around like, and then he had that smile on his face and he just, you know, rescinded from saying what he wanted to say. <laughs> He's all been so vocal about how much they enjoy coming to Texas and racing at Texas that I, yeah. I honestly wasn't expecting like all of a sudden that it was off limits to talk about what the what's wrong with racing at Texas lately. So um, well, I was a little shocked. But um, also, 
um, before we move on, Mike, we need to explain to Michael too, um, and you don't even have to see Joey in a video, but we have a drinking game here on our show when it comes to Joey Logano. Uh, every time Joey Logano smiles, you take a drink because <laughs> oh boy, Joey can take Joey. You can be about to punch Joey in the face. And calling him every name in the book, and he will smile. He just <laughs> – I love his interviews. You can just – you you know, he just always does it. He's, he's always smiling and stuff. And so um, I like I, I like Joey Logano. I like to interview yeah. him and stuff. He's a good guy. And like I said, I think maybe that's the other reason I felt bad is because he's so good when he gives you interviews and stuff that I, – I was like, oh, hell, I don't want to be the person that pissed him off or something. But he laughed about it, and he kind of was like, you know, I probably shouldn't say anything. But anyway. He's one of my favorite to interview right now out of the current drivers. And my second one, or maybe tied with the first, is Brad Keselowski. I love interviewing Brad. Brad is a lot like Joey, you know. Absolutely. And Daniel Suarez. I mean, in, in the way have- they're – not in the way – personality but in in the way they conduct themselves with the media you know absolutely absolutely so uh, speaking of daniel suarez he's our fifth place finisher and man he's he's really fun to talk to yeah he is now let's remind folks daniel won his way in from the open uh in a pretty dominating fashion won his way in uh from the open into the all-star race and was there throughout the entire race as someone uh that was up there contending for the lead and stuff yeah he had the car so uh we caught up with him on uh pit road out there after the race and here's what daniel had to say i mean it was uh it was a, a solid race, a solid night. I mean, we, we had a fast car. I thought probably most of the night we were a top 10 car, top 5 car at times. Uh, I feel like we were maybe lacking a little bit to those Penske guys. Obviously, they were also working together. They were taking care of each other. So it was it was hard to pass them all. Uh, I was able to pass Joey. But then in the very long run, he was better than me. So overall, it was a good day. Uh, we had some good information, uh, a few things that we can do better. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can improve those things for next week. Can you take us through when you, when you faked going into pit lane and then came back out? Was that something <laughs> you planned to do or were you, were you looking in your rearview mirror to see what other guys are doing? No, 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 we're planning on that. We're planning on that. <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, at this point, probably I wish I, I was coming to pit road, but who knows? Um, the problem is that we didn't have stickers anymore, and they did. And uh, and I don't feel like with the scuff tires, I was going to be able to be very strong. But like I said, overall, you know, a, a good day, a solid day. We, we, did, we, we were fast in the up, and we were fast in practice, qualifying, and, and obviously in the All-Star race, we were very fast too. The first stage, we passed probably the most cars than anyone. I mean, we passed like 15 cars, so probably my team. I mean, I saw him a little bit sideways. I, I know that his car flew big time. I haven't seen it, obviously, but uh, it was big. It was a big one. And there you go, Don and Michael. That's Daniel Suarez. And, and you know, Michael, Don, uh, I tell you what, we need more guys like Daniel Suarez in the in the series. I love the guy. He's he's a lot of fun. I, I think he stood out the most to me in, in my first experience as as a media member, getting to talk to some of these guys. Uh, he's a character man. He's great energy, just great guy to be around and talk to. Um, for a little bit of context on that question I asked, so when it got to, I think it was like what twenty five laps left, and you know we're getting to the nitty gritty. These guys are you know really pushing it with their tires and some of these guys really need a pit and, you know, but you're at the top and you're like, if I pit, you know, I'm not going to, with no passing here at Texas, I'm not going to be able to get back to the top. So we, I I know on the broadcast, they were kind of talking about it. It was like, 
oh, who's going to be, who's going to be the first one not to pit? And, you know, is it going to start like a chain? Like, how's that going to work? And so I was watching it and they had a, they, on the broadcast, they showed a great angle and Suarez kind of, he leaned in like he was going and they skirted out mm-hmm. and then everyone behind him went. So I was just making Charles like, I, I want to see like what went into that. So that was a really funny response by him. And yeah. I was going to say, and Mike, you can, you can probably tell Michael too, that that is something too, that in racing, it always comes down to, um, usually it's the leader. So if the leader comes in, everybody else stays out. If the leader stays out, everybody else will usually come in. So, um, it, it's always fun to watch that final, like, you know, and, and they'll wait till the very last minute before they have to hit that commitment cone. And it's just, it's so funny. Yeah, it's it, it's great, but he's just such a great guy and everything. And so, so there's the top five. Uh, Donna, I just wanted to mention real quick. Um, go through the results six through ten uh, real quick. Alex Bowman finished six. AJ Almanegger was seventh. Chris Busher was eighth. Not Brad Keselowski, who we just mentioned a while ago, finished ninth. And Chris Bell, Christopher Bell, finished tenth. So we had a uh, again some guys like. You know, Dinger and Busher and Bell, here's another race. I know it was an all-star race, but here's another race. These guys are getting top 10 finishes, and it still looks good for them this season. And Bell hit the wall pretty hard there, um, you know, earlier in the race. But, uh, yeah, you know, you did have some of the favorites. You had Kyle Busch go down. Um, you had Larson go down, lose a tire. Uh, the Kyle Busch thing, and we really need to bring that up too, because I know we're going to get back into the big topic, which of course was the caution and all with Blaney. But one thing that definitely stood out in that race was a terrible accident. It, Kyle Busch losing a tire, trying to make his way, slowing down and trying to make his way down to the inside. And I don't know if there was just some miscommunication or, or whatnot with Ross Chastain and his, yeah. and his spotter or just, you know, it's easy for us to sit and second, you know, second guess it and oh, what we would have done. But, you know, again, he's driving at 180 miles an hour on the track and uh, Kyle Busch is coming down the track, but he basically drove up the side and the top of Kyle Busch's car, went airborne, uh, flipped the car, and it luckily came back and landed on its tires. Um, also, uh, you know, at that time, Chase Elliott's coming through on the outside. Chase is just doing his yeah. own thing and happened to be collected up. But I, I said it to you in the media center when we saw it, and I will stand by this. This is one of those situations where... Chase Elliott, I believe, was in the right place at the right time because I think that wreck would have been a lot worse because it was Chastain flying uncontrollable into turn one. And we have seen some really bad stuff happen in turn one. And Chase Elliott's car stopped that from happening. So um, I think maybe there may have been a a higher power there looking out for for Ross Chastain at at that time. Yeah, because the nose of Chastain's car was, like you said, it was beelining for that wall. And it, it still did make contact like off the ricochet. But it, I mean, it would, like you said, Don, it would have been so much worse. Yeah. So, I mean, thank goodness for that. And good thing there's safer barriers there, too, you know, to help cushion the blow. Now, so. w- one thing I will add, and, and we talked about this at the track, Don, and you mentioned this earlier. You know how on the broadcast, they it was kind of funny how they brought up, oh, you know, this race can't end on a caution. And then, like, it happened. Well, they were interviewing Kyle Larson right before this wreck happened. And yeah. like they're, they're asking Larson what's going, cause he was uh, mixed up in some other things before and, and had to, had to leave the track. But um, they asked him like, you know, about the race and he's like, Oh, no one's going to catch, you know, Kyle, Busch. he's racing too well. There's no passing. He's just going to dominate this race. It's his and race to lose. On, yeah. It's, 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 that's exactly yeah. what he said. And on cue, I mean like 
what was it? Not even seconds. I mean, just maybe a few seconds. Boom. That happened. And we're just all like, oh my goodness. He just jinxed it. He just jinxed it. That was the craziest thing. It, it really is. was. It, uh, so, but go ahead, Mike. No, no, go, no, go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it, Ross Chastain, lucky to walk away. And honestly, okay, I'll say it. Some of the other guys should be lucky or think that they were lucky that it happened to Chastain because Chastain was up there and he was running. He was one of those cars. Him and Larson and Kyle Busch were the three cars to beat, in my opinion. And Chastain had a really fast car. Yeah. And it was a shame to see those guys get knocked out, but it changed the whole dynamic of the uh, all-star race, you know, it did. When, when the hot shots, you know, got knocked out. But uh, Ryan Blaney uh, ends up coming in after the um, ceremony and victory lane and everything to the media center. So that's who we have next uh, to listen to here. Uh, he, I put together or left some of the, um, the parts there where he not only talks about the win, but he really explains what happened with the net and how he kind of dealt with it. I thought it was interesting. This is the first time we actually got a chance to hear his side uh, of the story um, Saturday, uh, Sunday night. So here we go. Here's Ryan Blaney in the uh, media, media center interview. Yeah. So coming off of four, uh, you know, I guess Kosh came out 300 feet or so before the line. And um, I, I, none of us knew that uh, you had to see the checkered flag, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I think we just got locked in our heads of, you know, you take the leader takes the white flag, next flag is Ricks. And uh, I guess that wasn't the case, but we all thought it. I mean, I thought it. Josh said, you know, we won. Jonathan got on the radio and said, congrats, you know. So I got to the backstretch. I took my window net down and, and I didn't. Uh, and then Josh told me off before he said the race, it, you know, they're saying that the race isn't over and, uh, you need a end under green. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that caught all of us off guard. And, and, uh, so it, it was kind of short lived panic mode in my spot of like, how the hell am I going to get this window net back up? Because I mean, it takes almost takes two people to do it outside the car and let alone me, uh, my scrawny arms inside the car, sitting down, not being able to get a lot of leverage on it. And I was, I could get like, millimeters away from latching it uh and i'd have to give up my shoulder is going to be junk in the morning uh but i was able to get it latched finally uh enough to where it was up and and sealed so and and nascar uh deemed it safe so um yeah very very odd wild um but luckily it it worked out for us that the best car ended up winning the race so nascar did let you know or like know that the window net was good and you're clear to Final restart. They deemed it safe um, on the backstretch coming to the green because it was up and latched, and I had two hands on the wheel, and uh, that was our call. We'll go up here in the front of Bob. Chris Fox Sports. I have a couple of the first. Uh, I mean, were you when you restart in that moment after you've gone through all that you had gone through? Are you like, man, I just can't lose this race? Or are you like thinking, oh, I'm going to go through this and still lose this race? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I uh, had to switch mindsets up really quickly, kind of a few different mindsets from thinking you win the race to, oh, you got to go through another restart to, oh, my window net's down. How am I going to get this up? And I mean, the whole caution I spent trying to get that thing latched and up. And, um, you know, I, I didn't finally get it. You know, I finally got it on the front stretch with, with the choose, and I had less than a lap to, uh, to do it. 
And if you had not gotten it latched, would you have made them black flag you or would you have felt like, man, I can't race like that? And would you have come down pit um, voluntarily? I want to go pit. We are going to go up to the press box for a question or two. Jerry Jordan, kickingthetires.net. I've got a couple. Um, how grueling was that mentally, um, knowing that you let the window net down and then you hear that the race wasn't over, thinking that you had just secured a million bucks? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, a lot of change in emotion. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, my whole goal after I found that out was just how am I going to get this window net back up and, uh, you know, what can I do to, to do it? And, uh, you know, that was my main mindset for however many laps ran into caution handful. And, uh, I mean, I was up in the middle of the racetrack and not even paying attention to my tires or cleaning them up or nothing. I was just trying to get that thing latched and, and then finally got it and had like half a lap to clean my stuff up and finally get back into race mode and restart mode of like okay you gotta switch your mindset up you gotta hit this restart and and hold the 11 and two off and win the race uh so you didn't have a lot of time to kind of get your head get my head in the right mindset but luckily was able to get it close enough to the right mindset to get a good restart and get a good push from the two and and uh get up in front of the 11 and and hold them off so yeah definitely don't want to go through all those different uh Mindsets again, that was grueling and um, luckily worked out for us. And Don and Michael, I mean, put yourself in his shoes for a minute. You're, you're in an all-star race racing for a million dollars, and then that happens. I mean, can you imagine what you'd be going through, the the nerves and just, uh, like you said, the mindset? Just... I can't. <laughs> I'll, I'll just put it blankly. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine being in that spot. I mean, the the roller coaster of emotions for him – I mean, wow. I mean, that's really all you can say is just wow. Yeah. I mean, he, again, he came across, well, you heard it in the radioactive, you know, he came across and he's cheering and stuff. And then they're like, uh, it's not over. And he, what, what did you say? Seriously? <laughs> he yeah. thought they were messing with him at first. And then you heard, oh, you know, because then he realized I just, I took the window net down. I mean, this is yeah. serious. So, um, yeah. yeah. It's crazy. So Dawn, after we listened to Blaney do the press conference, we got an announcement that was we heard an announcement that was made by NASCAR that they were going to have uh, Scott Miller, who's the vice president of um, what is oh uh, uh, he's the senior vice president of competition. He was at the track. They, they're going to do a, a little press interview at the hauler. So everybody goes out there, and we we got the audio. All right. Yeah. And it's, it's a little bit, but we decided to play it in its entirety. So you could hear just like we did, you know, how we were getting the, the word, because again, everyone was questioning what the heck, you know, I mean, what's the situation and NASCAR immediately, they didn't wait till Tuesday to come out with something or Monday. This was immediately what they came out with at the hauler for the media who decided to stick around and, and get everything. So, and that was y'all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's where this story kind of almost takes a, a turn, I think. So here, here's Scott Miller and what he had to say. Talk about the yellow that had the race restart. And then while you're at it, can you also talk about the window net situation? Um, sure. Yeah, so, so obviously I think, you know, everybody, you know, knows that we probably prematurely called that yellow flag. Um, you know, the way that works in the tower is that we're all watching around the racetrack and um, 
we make the, you know, obviously the race director who has the button and makes the call is, is the final say of when the yellow gets put out. We all watch and we saw the car and mentioned the car against the wall, riding the wall down the back straightaway. And the race director looked up and I'm not sure what he saw, but he immediately put it out. So, um, wish we wouldn't have done that but we did that and we'll we'll own that we probably prematurely uh put that caution out what about the window down situation denny hamlin was pretty frustrated he said it was a safety situation nascar always talks about that what were the decisions made by nascar there so i'm you know again i think obviously ryan blaney thought he won the race um another byproduct of kind of special rules of the all-star because every other race that we do besides this one, he would have won the race when the caution flag came out. So they were celebrating. He put the window net down. We saw him struggling to get it back up, but coming to green, um, he was warming his tires back, back on the back straightaway. You could clearly see both hands on the wheel, warming the tires up. The window net was up. No way for us to know if he got it 100% latched or not. And at that point in time, no way we can be certain that he didn't get it latched. So there's no way we could call him down pit road at that time. Um, well, that would have, that would really have kind of gone out of character and been out of anything else that we have ever really done. So, um, there was some speculation about doing that up there, but I think, yeah, um, you know, like I said, um, we saw it and we, no way we would have, could have known that it was, uh, latched properly or not, but that, that's where we are on that so one. So if it wasn't latched, would it, would it, would it have latched? If it was hanging down on the door, um, we, we would have, if he couldn't, if he couldn't get it to where it was up and, we had some doubt that it was, you know, latched, then we would have, then we would have had to do something with it because we wouldn't have allowed him to start if it was just laying down on the door. Would you have thought about, you know, bringing him in, having him fix it, and because it is a special situation race, give him back where he was at? Did you think that's about a, that? That's what, that's what Bob asked just a second ago. Um, yeah, we speculated about doing that, but that would have been pretty out of character to bring someone down pit road and then, put them back in the spot that, that they came out of. One other thing, there was a tweet from Dale Jr. The only reason I bring it up is that it's going to get a lot of attention during the week. Sure. He said, NASCAR is gladly going to let you debate the window net. So as you don't reflect on how ridiculous that yellow flag situation was, as Blaney was crossing the finish line to win. No, we're not. We don't, we don't deflect from anything. We, we pretty much own what we do. So I would have to dispute the Dale Jr. quote. <laughs> So, so one of the things that we get, so here's, here's a little bit of insight for y'all. So we do the same, you know, I think I've been at NASCAR for seven years and we've operated under the same rules for races, you know, little tweaks here and there, but pretty much the way that we operate the tower, the things that happen on the track, you know, it's, we, we do the same thing over and over and over again. And every Tuesday 
almost without fail, a situation crops up that we need to talk about, that we, that we learn from. And doing the same thing over and over again, and we still learn and still learn how to do things better. And then when we institute all these special rules that we always get asked to do, we're, yeah, I mean, honestly, we're kind of setting ourselves up and the competitors up for problems like what we saw tonight. And I, I wish we could operate all-star races a little bit more under kind of no, our normal guidelines. When you make unique rules, do you ever sit down and think, well, maybe as you make them, we should be careful because as you re-look at this, you go back, look at another crazy race, and you're like, well, maybe that'll be hard to officiate. Well, we looked at <laughs> – we. We made we made revisions to the the rules as early as this morning because you always have to look at all these different situations that could crop up. Here's a for instance. So we put those performance parameters in for those automatic spots from the stages. And then we're thinking about all right, we're always thinking about okay, what could crop up and what could crop up on us? What awkward situation could we get in? And we're like, well, what if we have a big wreck and they still finish 15th, but they're not on the lead lap? It's like, can't start a car that's not on the lead lap, even though it's made that criteria. So this morning we changed the rules. It's like, it's that kind of stuff. And did we cover every single thing that it could have cropped up? Maybe, maybe not. You know, that's, that's the struggle with these special events is they're, they're different and they're out of character and they're, you know, all of us are doing things that we don't typically do. Thank you guys very much. Thank you. And there you go, Don. So um, now that set off the fans when they heard some of those sound bites and everybody was pissed off about, you know, that they own the, they did this, they said that. And so I, and and I I agree. I mean, we, we discussed it earlier, you know, and, and, um, Michael, feel free to jump into, you know, it's again, it's looking back in hindsight, which is always easy to do um, after you've heard some of the stuff, you know, the concern for me only was the window net and yeah, was it up issue. and was it secure? Now, with that said, after listening to Denny Hamlin, and I think Denny needs to go back and listen to himself, because after he talks about how difficult it is, if it, or almost impossible basically is what he how he put it the window net was up and it wasn't floppy it was it was up so he obviously got it up and got it secure and put his hands on the wheel had both hands on the wheel and and drove and came back across the finish line again with the window net up so it obviously was up do i do i feel like nascar made the right move again i've already stated that i think that they should have brought him down um i am now listening to him i do understand too that that's something that it's not in the rules and so they were like we wouldn't have done that but i want to point out one thing that i thought was important that he said that gets overlooked and nascar does get you know yes they're inconsistent a lot of times with that said, NASCAR makes a lot of last minute changes based on the drivers 
and what the drivers are saying to them in their drivers meetings and stuff that they have and suggestions that drivers look for. So you'll go into race day where drivers have had their driver's counsel and they've gone to NASCAR and presented something. And so NASCAR will come back and with a rule change or, or do something to help out with, with something that the drivers have been complaining about. So the drivers get a lot of the benefit of the doubt in that as well. So um, I, I think a lot of what you heard from Denny and a lot of what you're still going to hear from Denny Hamlin coming up is is two things. A, Denny was there and he was coming and he got second place, okay? But two, Mike, and I think, and Denny may even talk about this in the audio that we're going to have, but Denny's team has been penalized right now. He's in the regular season. He's without his crew chief right now for four races and a couple of crew members and because they let a tire go. And so there's a little bitterness there with Denny Hamlin because he's had his hands slapped and been and been put in timeout or his team has. And so I think that plays a, a huge part in how Denny Hamlin has been expressing himself about this situation is I think it's one of those. Well, that's not fair because this happened to me, you know, kind of thing. And yeah. um, in the end, while they are safety issues, it's two completely different scenarios that that mm-hmm. these things took place in. So um, I just that's just my take on it. Michael, anything? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the only thing I, Denny did have a point in, in the sense of, of the safety where it's like, oh, I mean, because he, he did nearly almost hit him. Mm-hmm. And if the window was down, I mean, that's. That's quite the issue you got on your hands. So he, great points on both sides. I think for, you know for the whole thing. It and I mean at the end of the day, it produced some good entertainment. I was, I mean, I'm sure NASCAR fans can agree. I mean, that was that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And um, and Michael, just for the record, the drivers' council is uh, kind of like a, like a players' union. Oh yeah. Okay. Is there like a president to that? Is there like a like one NASCAR driver who like oversees and not like where he has hierarchy over them but just kind of jimmy it used to be jimmy johnson was kind of the go-to um i want to say probably in this situation you're probably looking at a harvick a truex yeah uh, kyle bush kurt bush those are kind of probably the guys that that do the talking very interesting now dell jr comes on um i mean dell jr (laughs) denny hamlin comes on the dell jr show this week Mm -hmm. and gets very vocal so we've we've got some audio i want to play Okay, and this is from the Dell Junior Download, which is available now on all the podcast platforms and stuff. And also, you can go and watch them on YouTube as well. Yes, and then uh, some of these clips are also out there on Twitter and social media as well. So here's the first uh, one here. This one has to do with the uh, with the window net and the wind and everything. So here's what uh, Dell and uh, Denny had to say. So let's get your opinion on this past weekend at the All Star Race. Uh, I think I already put it all out. You did. Did you get, did you get fined? <laughs> did you get fined for what you said on MRN? Well, I heard uh, you did, but I wasn't sure. Oh, I did? Did you? No, I'm asking. He doesn't know. Maybe. Maybe. Are you, are you expecting <laughs> one? What was fineable? I, I said what? the F word. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. I think you can do that today. Can you? Yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> We're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. I, I just say, well, I you know, hope we, I, we just need to play by the effing rules. Yeah. You were emphatic about that, and that, and I don't disagree with and that not, one bit. Not, not because of Blaney, and I, I made it very clear that he he deserved to win the race. But you know, I, I've deserved to win the race too many times, and I just do something bonehead and I don't win. You know, but it's he, he, first of all, there were two 
they tried to make a wrong right by doing another wrong. And it's that's just, right. that's just Mike, screwed that's up. That's just yeah. screwed up. And then they, I don't know. I just felt like they tried to lie to us and say that, oh, his winning right. net was up and he was steering the car. Like, yeah. poor shit. I was right there. You, you can see it's not up. Yeah. It was not up. That's what I felt. Like, I felt like they owned the mistake about throwing the yellow. Like, just do that. It. Then own oh, that one. And, and but, instead, now you, but kind of own one and then you completely sort of, try to cover up the second. sort of excused the other one. And it's yeah. like, no, wait a second. Now there's a credibility factor here that we've now got to contend with. Like, there's a credibility. Like, wait, that's inconsistent. It would have been unfair for it would have been unfair for uh, for Blaney to be pulled down. However, he did break the rule. He did. And but I, if they were going to bend the rules, then just let him come in and fix it. At no reason should we ever be letting a driver out there with no winning net up. I mean, especially we're about to race for a win on a green white checkered. Yeah. Like the probability of us crashing was probably going to be pretty high considering what we were racing for an all-star win, right? And so he's the leader and you know his win you know his winning net is not secured. My crew is gone for 4 weeks because we had a tire rolling down pit lane. <laughs> That's right. Because it's a safety yeah. issue. I'm like, well who are they suspending up at in the tower because they need to be gone for four weeks as well. <laughs> wow. I love it. Yeah. What do you think, Michael? I mean, again, some good points, uh, definitely some bitterness. Like we were talking about uh, another interesting point. I don't know if any, I'm sure tons of NASCAR fans saw this was trending. Y'all probably saw this, but Denny Hamlin's Twitter presence after the race was, was something to note. Uh, he wasted no time after the race, going to Twitter um, and giving his thoughts. And then, uh, I don't know if it was that. Yeah, it was so that same night. He, in a kind of a, again, bitter, petty fashion, um, one of his tweets was Breaking news Mark Martin has been awarded his 1994 <laughs> Bristol win. It's time we make it right. Congrats, buddy. Yeah. And, you know, just to, to, to yeah, the that point was a, of like, that was a low blow. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where, again, he has a good point. Two wrongs don't make it right. Morally, absolutely. I mean, Blaney should have won. And he did. I think he raced well enough, obviously, at the end to get it. And it's just one of those situations where, I mean, it's tough. It's an all-star race. So it goes. Well, you remember, uh, you guys remember when Blaney came in there and I want to say it was, it was Pacris that told him, you know, well, Denny's Denny was on Twitter and he's like, of course he was, of course he <laughs> was because Denny's always on Twitter venting on Twitter. Um, I, the, the thing that I question in this, and maybe this is the issue, uh, Mike and Michael is mm -hmm. because I just, I just said, made the, or the statement right before that, that the window net obviously was up because, you know, you could see it when he comes across the finish line. It's up. So here's what I think is the difference. And, and, and I think that it's right in both situations and it's wrong in both situations. I would argue with Denny and say, and, and I guess I'm arguing with Dell Jr. too. The window net was up. Now, was the window net secure is a different question, but the window net was up. I mean, when he comes across the finish line, when they, when he takes the start and the green flag, his window net is up. Now, is it latched and it's secure? No, probably not, but it was up somehow. Um, they made it sound like, no, it wasn't. Holding it up with the left hand and driving with the right. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but then if you go and you listen to race control and stuff, they said, no, both hands were on oh, the wheel. So I know. I'm just joking. <laughs> and, 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 well, and, and, and in all seriousness, there's a real easy way. He's got in-car video. I'm, I yeah, mean, Ryan true. Blaney does. So they can always go back and look at that. So um, I don't know. I mean, window gate. That, that's what window net gate or net gate. That's what net we're gate. Calling. There net you go. Gate. So, yeah. Uh, but well, Dawn, you know, uh, 
I'm going to encourage everyone to be sure and check out Dale Jr.'s show this week because Denny, they talked a lot about a lot of different topics. And one of the questions that uh, Dale Jr. asked Denny was, how, how would you fix Texas? You know, we've been talking about Texas. You tried to ask Denny, I mean, uh, Joey about Texas. So uh, this is, this is kind of neat here. Uh, I want to, I want to play this and now I'm curious to see what you think about fixing Texas motor speedway. So we have better uh, racing. So here's what they had to say. So how do you fix Texas? Mm. You got start with the bulldozer. Yeah. I'm not, I'm (laughs) not, I'm going to give you reasonable amount of money. What's reasonable. Like whatever it's going to take to reprofile, repave, whatever you want to do, but you can't, it's going to stay a mile and a half. Mm. I can't let you tear the grandstands down or reconfigure. No, nah, no, nah, you can't do that. I, I, you have to, you have to repave it in some sort. I, I hate to say like, you know, we need another Atlanta or Talladega or whatever, but there's just no, the, the surface has gotten ruined by the PJ one. So it's just, you can't, I don't think they can scrape it enough and wash it enough to get that stuff off. Right. Would you reprofile turns one and two back the way it was? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, like I said, the flatter the track, the worse the aerodynamics are. We, it's just not for this car. Yeah. It's just not working that well. So you'd almost have to turn it into the higher banked Atlanta type track, which, you know, if we have another one, we have another one, but it's, how do you think the car is going to race at Homestead with progressive banking? I think it'll be, good. Like it I think it'll be good because if you, as you've seen the rate, the cars have been good on tracks where you can avoid the other person, go to a different lane completely. Yeah. You know, Kansas, while the main line was up at the wall, like you still could hedge down one car length and get the air you needed. Um, Vegas, same way. So I think that Homestead will be good for that reason. You're going to have a couple guys on the fence and I think you'll have others since it's low horsepower going, taking the shortest distance on the wall and they're at the bottom and they're probably going to meet in the middle. Would you progressive? uh banking uh would you put that at texas if you're going to cut it up might as well and pave it yeah might as well i mean there's i mean how much of that track is unused right i mean we're using 15 feet wide of i don't know it feels like a 100 foot wide racetrack yeah you do something to to make it you know where these cards they they go into the corner and one goes that way one goes this way and then what happens when they when they get back to the straightaway that's that to me is what creates like interesting concept and so we've seen it at short tracks too where you have progressive banking and someone takes the shortest route they ain't going to make the exit but they have to use the guy up on the outside to 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 make it and don mike michael i don't know about y'all but i i like what what he had to say there i think let's take the track tear the tear the uh, turns out you know get all the asphalt fix the turns do the progressive banking and i bet texas would be another track that would be great racing you know look down looking down the road there i i agree and mike let's let's call a spade a spade i mean when nasa when texas came in and did this reconfiguration it i mean in my opinion it was a rush job um and and the main reason for the reconfiguration is because they had so many weepers on the track uh the track we were we were dealing with so much rain all the time and the track they just could never get the track completely dry they were having issues with it because of weepers so they went in and at the same time weepers michael is where the water comes up through from the ground through the uh, asphalt right okay thank you yeah and um yeah i'm sorry <laughs> and so um that was the main reason for reconfiguring it making better drainage in the infield and some other things and, that and was they, a- fixed, they fixed that problem 
Right, right. Um, for the most well, part. For the most part. Now, if you remember, though, during the Indy race or Indy testing that was at the track, remember the last test that they were going to have for the Indy car mm-hmm. before the Indy race? It rained, and Jimmy Johnson and some others talked about there was weeping still going on. And it, because you and I were like, wait, wait a minute. We don't like Damn to hear man. the weeping thing. So we thought they had that fixed. Right, right. So, you know, that's interesting to hear. But I I felt like that was kind of a rush job. I mean, it was in between. Didn't didn't they do it in between the racing in that season? Or was it at the end of the season they came in and, and did it? I can't even really. It was at the, at the after the November uh, race. The fall playoff race, they started working on it, I think, in January, and they they had they were rushing in to get it done by late March. And you know, doing the track at in the in the winter like that, you know, they, had, they there was a lot of days they were delayed because of rain and cold weather and just you know issues of getting the everything to cure and everything and dry right. So yeah, it was it was definitely a, a rush job, you might say. Well, I I would be interested also to hear. Um, to get some opinions from the IndyCar guys, because maybe this is a way that if if SMI goes in there and redoes this track, maybe that's another way that we we get a new contract extension or something with IndyCar as well, because, you know, they got lucky. They weren't expecting a great race because of the PJ1 that was down on the track. Well, the, the PJ1 screwed up their, their race as well because they couldn't get up high in the turns. It, it's like skating through ice right getting that stuff with those slick tires i I like it though i mean i i like that idea and i would even like the progressive banking idea yeah so anyway um the whole net gate thing uh nascar you know they they meet on tuesdays and they make their rulings and discuss the uh, issues of the weekend and so um is Elton Sawyer, I think is his name. He's the vice president of officiating and technical inspections. He went on NASCAR Sirius XM satellite radio. Whose show was it? He was on the morning drive. On the morning drive show. And um, so this is his response to what they're going to do now going forward regarding this, this issue here. So here's what he had. This is what he had to say. I want our fans to be assured that when we get into Charlotte, we have addressed this. We're going to um, make sure that those things don't happen again, and we're going to be better for it. Can you share any of that, Elton, with us about what might happen as a, as a kind of an after effect of what happened on Sunday well, night? Yeah, absolutely, Pete. I think just to give our fans more of an insight, so when we're in race control, you know, there's a several – people up there we've got a group of 10 you know you've got your series director you've got your svp you've got your race director and the way the the process works plus we have spotters all the way around the racetrack we have them in turn two turn three pit in pit out and you have flag stand officials that are also spotters that can see a car against the wall or one spins and, and they will provide that information to the tower or someone in the tower uh, and or someone in the tower will provide that same information, a car in defense off turn two. And then it, the, you know, the, the race director is, is filtering through that information to ultimately, you know, make the, the decision. But as, as we go forward, what we're looking at is how do we get more voices involved in that process there to make sure it's not just one person having to say, bam, put it out. So we're working through that to make sure, because again, these are 
split second decisions that you don't, it's not like other sports. We can call timeout and say, okay, we need to do this or do that. You know, our sport, once we drop the green flag, we, we run to the end and we don't have that, you know, that luxury, which is, that's the uniqueness of our sport, which is great, but it still comes with a responsibility on our side and, and we will address that and we will be better. And there you go, Don. So what do you think about that? Well, I, I mean, I, I agree with them. And the thing that, you know, again, I know a lot of this was looking at the cautions and stuff uh, as well. But, um, you know, Mike, I mean, we're coming into the Coke 600, a, a track that's very similar to Texas, except it's flatter. Um, but, you know, there there's going to be some of these issues that, that NASCAR has, you know, had at Texas. They could be having here at Charlotte as well. But um, I do like the fact that they readdressed it. It is something that they're looking at as far as, you know, what went down with the caution. And I like how he explained as well where the spot or where in the stands and stuff the different officials are. And let's face it, at the end of the day, I know we like to criticize and stuff, but these are humans and human error does come into play. And, you know, you make a split second reaction uh, to a to a a wreck or something. And, you know, I mean, immediately it's almost, you see somebody going into the wall and coming out of it. You, it's almost instinctive to throw a caution and you may forget sometimes, Hey, it's the final lap. And that was in turn four and they're already past it going into, you know, it's hard. It's hard on officiating and, and making calls. And uh, like today, the game that he covered against Oklahoma State, Baylor versus Oklahoma State today, there was twice during the game they had to go review the uh, the call on the field, whether it was an out, safe, or whatever. And and they overruled the, f- the first one. Uh, yeah, so that was the, the throw down the home plate. Yeah. Right from yeah. So Pineda, I mean, yeah, but it, they overruled it. Yeah, they overruled it. it. It looked like the guy was clearly safe. I mean, even from like our yeah. point of view. And then after a frame by frame look, you know, you you get the great angles and you get to see exactly how it went down. And you're like, oh, I think he got he got the tag. And sure enough, he was out. So yeah. But you know, I, I just think in sports, you're going to make mistakes. Officials are going to make mistakes at times. It's it's just you can't be 100 percent perfect. And it pisses me off that these NASCAR fans go to the extreme and start bitching about you know oh, this and that and then, you know get put them in in the in the in the in the stand making the call. I wonder how many times they're they're going to mess up or, or miss something or not see it. You know. The only thing I will say. Is and if you go and listen to the rest of that Dell Dell Earnhardt Jr. the Dell Jr. download. That's Dale what I'm gonna Jr. do tonight. I'm okay. gonna do that tonight. Dell Jr. makes a point in here that he felt like the caution was thrown so that they could basically manufacture a, a better finish for the race because I was gonna race, bring that up. Mm-hmm. Well. He felt that the race was kind of a snooze fest, and so it was a way to bring the pack back together. Let's manufacture this so that we can get a more exciting win to the all-star race. Well, I mean, think about it. Hamlin was running great. He had fresh tires. I mean, people were like, if this, if he just had a little, like a little bit more time, I mean, I'm sure that was going through many people's, you know, head. If he just had a little more time and he could win this thing. And so that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So that you have to throw that into it too. That's, and that's what Denny was saying is that he felt like it was two wrongs, you know, that they, that was the first mistake. That's what went through all their mind is why did they throw a caution when, uh, Ricky went into the wall? I want to say in turn four, I think it was, or turn three or something. And they were already past it, you know, going down to, to the finish line. So why would you throw the caution? But Mike, how many races have we watched where either you bitch because they throw a caution or you bitch because they don't throw a caution? It's like you can't ever make 
you can't please everyone. Right. And I feel like when somebody hits the wall, I almost, I almost am the person that would say, throw the caution. I would rather you throw the caution because how many times more so than not, are you now again, I have to back up though, because this was behind the field, you know, that this happened. So I can see that, but just in, in general, when people hit the wall and stuff, nine times out of 10, there's some shrapnel and shit all over the track. Yeah. And so I would rather yeah. you throw the caution than guys driving through a whole bunch of crap that's going to take tires down and stuff. Just throw the caution. Very but, true. But this situation I do think was a little different. And I do feel like there is something there to be said. And usually when Dale Jr. said, you know, NASCAR is like, oh, hell, why did Jr. say that? But that's what you get with Jr. You get honesty. And he basically felt like it was a man. Manuf- you know, they were trying to manufacture the finish. And when he speaks, people listen. Oh, you know, he needs to speak more often for sure. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Marcus Smith, the uh, CEO and president of Speedway Motorsports. Uh, he was at the track at Texas Motor Speedway. I saw him just briefly. Uh, didn't get a chance to talk to him. Normally I do, but he was with another lady. Uh, and uh, he, he went on Sirius XM uh, satellite, NASCAR satellite radio, or, or however you say it. <laughs> it's getting late. Um and uh, so we're going to hear from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was on with he was on on track with yeah. uh, Larry Mack and Danielle Trotta this week. And, you know, the fans are bitching about should the, the all-star race be moved or why should it be at Texas? Or, or And so he kind of addresses that in, a little bit here in this interview. So here's, here's way, Marcus. Before you play it really quick, by the way, let's point out they already have tickets for sale for next year's all-star race at Texas. So it is at Texas again next season. Yes. Just, just letting you know. He's going to point that out. So anyway, but here's what Marcus Smith had to say. Yeah, we, we had it uh, in Charlotte for a number of years, of course, um, and, uh, and did it in Bristol when uh, in 2020 when we couldn't have it in North Carolina. And then we right. moved it to Texas um, for the last couple of years. Uh, this event, we had more people buying tickets than we did last year. Uh, we had increase in tickets and camping. It was... Uh, you know, it was, it's a lot of fun for all the people in the Southwest region of the United States. So we're always looking to make it bigger and better. I think the, um, you know, it's, it's really, it, it kind of amazes me. And, and this is just, um, in general, but when we had it in Charlotte, we had some detractors who would always say, you know, why is it in Charlotte or it's, it's just a warm up event. Um, and you know, we, we move it and people say, let's put it back in Charlotte. Um, and so one thing I've found is that, uh, nobody likes change and nobody likes anything, uh, to stay the same. So it's, it's one of those things that you can't make everybody happy. I learned a few years ago when we put in the, um, Speedway TV in Charlotte, which was, uh, one of the biggest things we've ever done for fans at the track. Uh, and we still had people complain about it. So uh, I'm sorry to, to all the listeners out there, the ones that uh, that are upset. Uh, we we know we we we've got a, a huge team that works really hard to make everybody happy, uh, but there's just some people out there who like to complain uh, more often than anything. And you know, we we really take our our job seriously at putting on a phenomenal, memorable event every single weekend and. If you look at all of the the things that our team at Texas did to uh, deliver an amazing fan experience, I think if you talk to the fans that were there, they had a great time. And I I saw thousands and thousands of them and uh, they're having a great time as I was. 
There you go, Don. That's CEO and president of SMI, Marcus Smith. And what do y'all think, guys? I mean, I guess I'll start. I just think it's it's sad. I mean, kind of like you said, because they're working so hard, they're busting their tails to do put on all this stuff for the fans, and they're still going to complain. But I mean, that's just human nature. We always try to, you know, find wrongs in the situation, or how can we make this better? And and everyone has a different opinion on things. Everyone wants to see yeah. it their way, so it's tough. Well, and. I'm biased because I live in Texas and I've always wanted to see the all-star race here. So I yeah, like how many, we get. Yeah. How many years did we, did we beg for that, Don? We wanted we that. For them to rotate it, you know, rotate it around. And I would like to see it rotated. I would like to see it at some other tracks. I love the idea that Joey Logano and others had this week uh, of taking it to places that don't have NASCAR races right now, take it to tracks, you know, so that way you get those people involved as well, you know, different, different sites. But, um, in the end, no one was going to the race in Charlotte. I mean, there was very few people. It, it, it never sold out. Um, you know, people that was, they, it for the workers and stuff for NASCAR crew and stuff, it was more of just being off for a week. Um, you know, fans would go and get the experience of being there, of course, for the Coke 600 and, and things like that as well and visiting the shops. And I get that. Um, but it was, it was a boring race at, at Charlotte. And, um, so, you know, I mean, again, now, I will say this to Marcus. He needs to go and listen to his season ticket holders because there were some things that did not work that yeah. weren't very fan-friendly. And the Blake Shelton concert was one of them. It did not deliver on several several issues. Um, there was a lot of confusion with season ticket holders who were told – who are used to being able to have in their season ticket packs, they get the concerts and stuff. No, they had to pay extra to get the pass to go into the infield. And then there was confusion on, did that pass give them a pit pass too? And, and some people were, other people I saw were having their coolers, having the inside liner stripped out of their coolers at certain gates. Um, if you were in the stands, you couldn't see the, the stage um, because it was in the infield in the Xfinity series garage and the audio was horrible. It was echoing and stuff. And it was sold as a hour long performance by Blake Shelton. And it wasn't even a 30, it was barely a 30 minute performance and people 30, were furious. 35 minutes is what I was told. He performed yeah. 35 minutes. So, so yeah. And a lot, a lot of fans were really complaining about that, but overall, you know, I think um, the track did an incredible job trying to put on an overall weekend of racing those little sideshows they had, you know, with the horses and the dogs and, and shooting the human cannon ball guy, that, and the trackside live stage that, that came back. There was a lot of fun over there on that side of the, um, of the, of the, of the speedway. Um, I thought that, you know, overall the, they, they did a pretty darn good job this weekend for the fans, at least trying to provide that experience for them. And I just wanted to say, and and I know we we got to move on, but maybe this is something we'll talk about later. But I saw quite a few tweets of people trying to compare because the F one race had happened in the morning, and there was a lot of, uh, you know, people were like the the were trying to compare ratings. And and I went on Twitter and went on a rant because I said two things: a, every sport, every other major sport has an all star event. The ratings suck for all of them. I mean, and, and people complain about all of them and the format on every single one of them every year 
changes in some way, shape, or form in some way. The NBA All-Star Game, there has been so many different formats and stuff added, things taken away. Um, the Pro Bowl has completely changed and stuff. Major League Baseball changes things a lot with the Home Run Derby and some other things. So there's always format changes. But for the most part, the ratings for those All-Star events, and I can tell you, especially for the Pro Bowl, is horrible. Um, yeah. People just don't really tune into them. They're gimmicky. Or they may turn in for the NBA. Ooh. They'll they'll t- tune in for the dunk-off and for Oh, well, we watch it. Michael and oh, I watch yeah. it. And we, you know, now the NBA, the, those guys are having fun. Yeah, you know, I mean, the All-Star game, that's what it is. There's oh, no- yeah, it's turned. It's turned into just like a shootout contest, basically. Yeah, I mean, the, very the freaking, rarely. Yeah, the freaking Pro Bowl is the worst. It's just a, it's yeah. a, it's a touch football game, that, and no one wants to watch that. Nobody wants and to even, play in it. No one. Yeah, the exactly. players, yeah, the players don't want to play in it. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a mess. So, yeah. so I mean, why have it? Why have it? <laughs> right. I mean, but at the same time, it's it's there for the fans. I mean, it's something yeah. fun for the fans. And, and, and I like the all-star rate, uh, all-star race in NASCAR. I think it's a great idea. I loved the qualifying thing this, this year. Yeah. Um, I thought it was exciting. And, um, you know, again, people just need to stop bitching and complaining and they'll figure it out. And there's always going to be, especially because it's not a normal race situation. And it was a busy ass weekend. You had the truck series racing there, their normal regular series. You had the Xfinity series racing there, their normal race thing. And then to go into this all-star race format, Charlotte's never had that happen. Charlotte was usually just the all-star race format. Yeah, you're right. You're right. um, these were things to think about, guys. I, I want to move on quickly, really quick. There are a couple of news things for NASCAR uh, this week. First of all, congratulations. Let me try that again. Congratulations to the LaJoys, uh, baby today, I believe. Uh, little oh, baby. they had a baby. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, Corey LaJoy and, and his wife had a baby. So uh, oh. that was released. Then you had Pennzoil doing an extension. Uh, with Roger Penske and stuff, which also, um, you'll, they said a little bit of it, but Joey, Joey Logano will have his extension done here shortly as well. Good. So that news came out. Um, and then the big news, Mike and Michael, and, and again, this is learning for me, but came from Trackhouse Racing once again, Trackhouse Racing announcing Project 91. And everybody was like, what is this? Well, Project 91 is the 91 car. They have a third car there at Trackhouse Racing that they will be fielding. And the first race you will see it at will be Watkins Glen. And this week, they announced who their driver would be, which this is exciting. And then Justin Marks came on. Um, he was on with Dave Moody this week explaining he went to Switzerland, first of all, um, earlier in the in the year to talk with this driver, see about getting him on. And he kind of explains what uh, Project 91 is all about. What's mm-hmm. the goal of Project 91? So I put the audio together. I kind of mixed it. So you're going to hear it was a video. First of all, the very first part is a video. So there's going to be a little bit of down, just exciting music and stuff. But you have to go watch the video on Twitter from and Facebook from Trackhouse Racing introducing this driver. And then next you'll hear the audio from Dave Moody, um, where Justin Marks, the owner of Trackhouse Racing, was on. So here we go, guys. He's known as the Iceman. Jimmy Raikkonen is his provisional pole for him. Wins his first Grand Prix. He's beaten Michael Schumacher. The memories from the first year in F1. That's from 2005 Japan. What a brilliant move! He started from 
Special memory is the first year with Ferrari and I was winning the championship. We won both championships. Kimi Raikkonen, the championship of the world. Managed to win one race in the end in Austin in the US. In 113 races, Kimi Raikkonen wins the US Grand Prix. F1 World had to say goodbye. The Iceman is returning to racing. A hundred percent, the trip was going to be worth it no matter what, because I just realized, you know, how big this would be for our company and how great it'd be for our the sport here in North America if we could pull it together. So regardless of what the result was going to be, it was a worthwhile exercise. And as far as the conversation that we had, I, I just, I said, look, this is what I'm trying to do in America. This is what I'm trying to do in motorsport. And this is sort of the whole idea of Project 91 is to just break down these barriers and sort of roll the door open for people around the world that think NASCAR is cool and they want to give it a try. And I said, I, I just, I want to start with you because you've done it before. You, you know, a lot of the people there, you've had the NASCAR experience and you know, your, your brand and the way you move the needle globally, you know, we'd love, love to have you be a part of it. But what the cool thing was, he said, that's, that's great. I get it. Um, let me give it some thought and, and let's be in touch. And then I flew home to America and went to Texas and we won and he watched the race. That was a, a big part, too, was, was right. the fact that he saw that and went, you know, man, I can get in these cars and be successful because he's such a competitor. I mean, he wants to he wants to race. It was kind of a perfect storm. Things lined up really well. He turned down offers for Lamar, for DTM, GT3 racing. He had a lot of offers that he turned down this year and chose track houses as, wow. as, as his racing in 2022, and, uh, and I'm really excited and proud that he did. Watkins Glen, obviously a, a pretty easy choice, right? He's He's a road course racer. Will road courses be the primary focus going forward? There is a learning curve, obviously, on these on these ovals. And so to give Project 91 the best chance of success and to be, able to be in a position to win, I think initially we need to go to these road courses just because it's it's what everybody else around the world does. So, it's, you know, it's low-hanging fruit, and it's easy for them to kind of get up to speed uh, sort of right away. You know, as far as, you know, for 2022 and Project 91, you know, what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to put – I didn't want this car to run during the playoffs for obvious reasons. And um, pushing it off late into the summer just is, is an opportunity for him to be paying attention, to be learning, to be watching video, to be able to come to North Carolina and do sin and pit practice and all that kind of stuff just so we've got time to build this program the right way. So when we show up there and unload, you know, we kind of hit the ground running and, and minimize the learning curve and just go right to work and hopefully have a really successful week. So, I mean, interesting, might because yeah. they, they will be rotating different people in that car, too. And immediately, my thought goes to my favorite driver in the IndyCar series, Tony Kanaan, who has expressed to you and myself numerous times over the years how he would love to get in and race a NASCAR car, whether it be in the truck series or Xfinity yeah. Or the cup, and if they're wanting to do this on road courses, I couldn't think. I mean, it's it's perfect. So um, I love it, and I again, I am just absolutely loving where Justin Marks's head is in this. You know, with this ownership and this team, and also Denny Hamlin as well. I mean, the, these are two young owners and young teams that I feel like are destined to to make NASCAR's future a lot brighter because of the ideas and the things that they are wanting to implement with their teams. Exactly. And I would, I'd like to see, you know, more young guys get involved in, in, in ownership uh, and 
we need, we need we need some changes, you know. Yeah, and and you know, I'm, again, I'm not a big Formula One person, and I I know you know you've watched, watched and yeah. you've gone to these things. Um, just really quickly for some people who are dumb like me, uh, Kimi Raikkonen, I mean, is one of the most accomplished race car drivers in the world. Um, I look on here and of course he's, he's finished, which my husband, you know, who's a big, uh, Formula One guy says, basically, if you're a racer in Finland, you're good. I mean, you know, if you're a Finnish racer, you're like bred into the sport. So, um, he competed between 2001 and 2021. And is it Sauber or Sabre? How do you, the team? I think it's Sabre, I think. Sabre. So he raced for them, for McLaren, for Ferrari, for Lotus, and for Alfa Romeo. So he raced for all of the good ones. Oh, um, yeah. He won the 2007 Formula One World Championship. Um, he, uh, let's see. In addition to that title, he's also finished second overall in 2003, 2005, third in 2008, 2012, and 2018 with 130, uh, 103 podium finishes. He is one of only five drivers to have taken over 100 podiums. He's also won 21 Grand Prix, making him the most successful Finnish driver in terms of Formula One race wins and is the only driver to win in the V10, V8, and the V6 turbo hybrid engine eras. I mean, the guy can yeah. race. And, can I think, and it's huge. It's a huge crossover opportunity. Yeah, and draws you know, draws some of their fans in to NASCAR, maybe. Right. So I love it. I just I love it. And again, I invite you to go watch that video. It's at Trackhouse Racing. Um, I retweeted it and stuff as well. Just listening to it, I'm like the Iceman. It reminds me of Top Gun. Um, oh yeah, Mr. Iceman to you. That's what he should have said. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, I thought that that was exciting news, and and now it got me even more excited. You want to talk about a road course ringer? Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and especially when all of our normal drivers are learning, it's a learning curve for them in this new car on a road yeah. course. Yeah. Could be interesting. Yes, it could be. So we've got the Indy 500, Mike and Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious, which we haven't even hardly had an opportunity to talk about a lot of the Indy stuff going on because we were so busy with uh, things going on at Texas and all. But uh, you had guys like you had Jimmy Johnson doing very, very well up there during the qualifying days and stuff. But Scott Dixon just lit the charts on fire with his pole winning run um, last weekend. At, well, it, it was happening while we were there at the Texas race. And Mike, yeah. I know you've got all the information and audio from our uh, front row there. Yeah, I do. And uh, he uh, qualified on the pole, talking about Scott Dixon, a four-lap average dawn of 234.046 miles per hour. Starting second is going to be Alex Palou. He had a four-lap average of 233.499 miles per hour. And then Rhinus VK uh, is the third fastest qualifier at 233.385 miles per hour. Um, the... Um, we have some audio. They had a press conference after the qualifying that took place this past weekend. We're going to hear from Scott Dixon first, then Rhinus, then Alex. And here's what the guys had to say about qualifying, how they did this past weekend. So here we go. I think it was uh, it was huge, but you know, not just for the nine car. I think for for Chip and his whole group. You know, uh, huge credit to to every single person on the team. Um, that was definitely a feat. You know, five cars, five cars in the fast twelve, four in the fast six. 
uh, every team owner would dream of that situation. And and I think without, you know, the hiccup that uh, Jimmy had, I think, you know, it would have been all of us in there. So kudos to, uh, to Chip uh, and everybody on the team. Uh, kudos to, to Honda and HPD. Um, the amount of effort that goes into to qualifying alone is kind of mind boggling. I think even for us that are, you know, in, in, uh, in the team and, and, um, in this, you know, kind of community, um, just how much goes into it, you know, uh, is, is, uh, is crazy. So, you know, for, for the team to see that and for it to pay off, uh, it's huge. You know, I knew the poll was guaranteed for our team. Um, <laughs> but of course I wanted it, uh, over Alex, um, and I think, you know, uh, Cannon, huge credit to him, you know, uh, after yesterday, we, we did a couple of things that, that we shouldn't have done and, and the knock on effect, you know, really affected us yesterday and gets lucky with the weather and, uh, that, you know, how us in that fast 12, uh, you know, for us to, to continue on today. So, um, you know, big thank you to, to everybody on the team and step one, but doesn't guarantee you anything. Obviously it's, uh, you know, a huge privilege to, to start on the pole and, and, uh, congratulations to, to everybody on the PNC bank number nine crew. Yeah, uh, very proud to be in the front row again. Uh, haven't qualified worse than fourth in my three qualifying attempts at the 500. So very proud of that, especially at my age. Uh, and yeah, I think as a team, we, we maximized everything we had. Uh, we made all the right decisions and I had the best car I've had in qualifying weekend during the fast six qualifying. So that shows how on point we were today. But this car was just a little too fast. The Chip Ganassi Racing Team did a tremendous job having five cars in the Fast 12, four in the Fast 6. My car was really good. Um, I think my best car was uh, during Fast 6. So um, I was super comfortable. I think I did everything I had. Um, I kind of wish that Scott, knowing that he had already four lap, uh, four uh, pole laps here, he could have gave me one, but he doesn't share much. So uh, we'll try and get it next year. <laughs> And there you go, Don. That's the the fast three. Um, uh, Ed Carpenter was fourth fastest. Marcus Erickson was fifth. Uh, Tony Kanan, TK, your 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 boy, uh, sixth fastest. Uh, then seventh was Pato Award. Felix Rosenquist was eighth. Romain Grosjean was ninth. Takuma Sato was tenth. Will Power eleventh, and Jimmy Johnson twelfth. All right. Uh, I invite you two to go and watch. Um, I share the video. Um, you can find it on Twitter uh, and, and on Facebook. Go to IndyCar and, and find it. But they did a video of the IndyCar drivers critiquing past uh, milk celebrations. <laughs> and it's really funny because it kind of went along the lines of the Scott Dixon thing, but it's more with uh, Elio because he's had so many wins, Indy 500 wins. And so, but they critique each other on um on their celebrations with the milk and how they drink the milk or pour it all over themselves or whatever it's it's, it's really funny so good stuff and uh one of the other big things might to come out was jimmy johnson uh basically i guess during pre indy 500 <laughs> interviews came out and said he would definitely be open to doing the double header and to racing both the indy 500 and the coke 600 which immediately after that came out late this afternoon, well, of course, earlier this afternoon, we had the release of the Project 91 information. And so immediately, NASCAR fans, they're not stupid. They start saying, well, Trackhouse Racing is a Chevy. They've got, you know, they're going to have an extra car. Maybe Jimmy drives a track, that 91 car. 
in a double yeah. header and, and maybe Carvana sponsors both or whatever, you know, I mean, uh, I know Jimmy for a long time, you know, of course was an ally guy and that's Bowman's thing, but Carvana is a sponsor there now, you know, over in the IndyCar series. I love it. I mean, I couldn't think of a better guy to do the double header than NASCAR's Iron Man, Jimmy Johnson, and, uh, and, and, and now IndyCar driver, Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, I think, think that would be really, really cool. Um, couple other notable drivers I want to mention real quick. Elio Castroneves will be in the race. He'll he's starting 27th. Juan Pablo Montoya. Yep. JPM starting 30th. So he's in the race. So it's going to be um, a pretty good Indy 500. You want to do uh, picks or? Yes, absolutely. And I have so many favorites and stuff in this. I, I just, uh, I don't know what to do. My heart just, anyway, you guys pick and then we'll see where I go. I'll start it off here. Well, Dawn, I, I'm I'm thinking this year, looking around, you know, we had Elio winning last year. I mean, surprise, anything can happen. Um, we'll go with the top three. I'm going to go one, two, three. Um, let's go with um, – I'm going to go Dixon for the win. He just had a dominant car all all month, the whole month of May. I'm going to go Jimmy I'm as my second place uh, or second driver that I think can, can win. And, um, you know, he's um, had some some promising uh, showings and, and you know, looking pretty good on when he's been on the uh, track. And then I want to kind of just take a gamble on the third spot. Um, man, it's, it's hard to – it's hard to pick another one, but uh, I'm going to go um, a guy that um, qualified pretty far down in the fields, but I think he um, can get it done is Colton Herta. All right. Well, yeah. Great pick. He qualified 25th. So uh, I think he might pull it out for the, uh, as my top three there. So there you go. <laughs> okay. Uh, Michael. Yeah. So I, man, it's tough, but I'll go Renus with, with my, with my one guy. Yeah. I think he he's he's gonna race really well. Um, I like uh, I like your guy Don. I like TK. I like Tony Kanan. Um, I think he would also be another solid bet. He'd be my second pick, and then a way farther down the line, a guy who won it last year. I'm gonna go Elio. I think if he can work his way up, he's obviously gonna be a threat. Yeah, yeah. And, and qualified uh, way worse than he presented. Exactly. Right. But you know, there's going to be wrecks, you know, that there's going to be pit strategies and stuff. So he'll work his way back up. Um, okay. I'm going to go a little bit different and then I'm making a special, uh, I'm, I'm pulling a NASCAR. I'm making a special ruling in my own favor. So, um, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say my boy, my fellow Texas military Institute, Panther Pato award. Um, yeah. I'm going to say him, or I'm going to go with another guy that just always seems to turn it on when it comes to Indy. And that's Takuma Sato. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll go with Takuma, but I'm giving myself special provisions because there's too many of my favorites in here for me not to try to pick. So I'm picking two. Um, my third, <laughs> my third pick, I've got a tie. Um, I'm going with either Jimmy Johnson or with TK. Um, yeah. and I'm sorry, Juan Pablo. But um, my my sentimental pick will be JPM. So, um, but I don't want to jinx him, so that's why I'm not picking him. Well, I'll tell you, TK surprises me how well he qualified, and and tells me that we're going to see a strong run from him as long as he doesn't get in trouble and crash the car. It's a Ganassi um, car. Yeah, he, and he can drive, and um, that was surprising to see him. You know, he's been out of the car for a little bit and um, get the sixth place. Uh, spot there in, in a, uh, qualifying 
Yep. Yep. For sure. So, uh, that will be our first. Now, of course, you know, this Sunday is every racer's dream. So Mike, what do we have? Okay. So we have, uh, what formula one race is it? That's before is it, is it in Monaco, Monaco. Yes. Monaco. Okay. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Uh, is it, is it this weekend? No. Cause like last know. year, isn't it always like that weekend? It's always well, in the morning, I think. Yeah, usually it's in the morning, but I thought it was last year they had it a week early or something. So, uh, but anyway, no, I think it's in the morning, and that's always a fun race to watch and everything. And that's where all those boats are pulled up. People are on the yachts and partying and everything. A lot of money there in 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 Monaco there for the Grand Prix, and so I usually watch that race. Uh, is it? Yeah, so it's it's this Sunday. Okay. In, 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 uh, Monaco, it'll be this Sunday at 8 a.m. on ESPN. Okay. So I get up in the morning, have a few mimosas and. <laughs> now, does it say 8 a.m. Eastern time or standards or central? Time? Uh, I'm assuming it's converted to central time. There's no indication here. I can okay. dive a little bit more into that and clarify. Okay. So, and then after that, we'll have the Indy 500, which is normally around 11 o'clock. Um, yeah. is usually when the green flag is for the Indy 500. Cause I know I have missed it before. Um, mm-hmm. but it's usually around 11. You usually start the pre-race stuff about 9.30 or 10. Um, yeah. and they'll have all that on ABC, uh, ESPN stuff as well. So, um, you'll get that. And then of course, immediately following that around 5.30 or so central time is the Coke 600. Um, so long day of racing and a fun day of racing. So, uh, guys, you ready for your Coke 600 picks? Sure. All right, Mike, go ahead. Start us off. Looking around. Well, Don, you know, I've been looking at, you know, some of these guys that haven't had a win yet that are in the, in the, currently in the playoffs. Um, they're in the top 16. So I'm going to go. Um, he just came off of winning at Texas. I'm going Blaney for the win for the, for my uh, first pick looking down the list a little bit. I'm going to go Martin Truex Jr. For my second place, um, uh, long, long shot driver. And in my really, really, really long shot driver, Don, I'm going to go down here and he, um, sitting in 17th place. I'm going to go Eric Jones. All right. Cool. I like those. I think this is going to be a Kyle Bush bounce back week. I think, I think he'll be able to sustain. We'll see. Um, that's my, that's my one gun again. And, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, another guy who's, you know, kind of hovering in that around that 10 range. I like Kevin Harvick. I think, you know, experienced vet, he's going to race well. I think he can, he can put up a good, um, some good numbers. And And he needs a win. He does need a win. Um, a long shot uh let's see here let's let's scroll down the list here um you know okay. i'll go i'll go ty dylan mm-hmm. watch him somehow just come up here and and win the 600 let's go ty dylan <laughs> all right those are great picks okay i've changed my I've, I've been sitting here changing my second pick i've changed it three times so i'm gonna go kyle larson for the win um and then i changed i i initially had kyle bush and then when you pick kyle bush i was like okay good i can change it then i changed it to joey logano and then i changed that scratch that out and i think you know because i was like you know what i can't believe none of us have picked chase elliott so i'm gonna go chase elliott as my second pick and then of course i have to do it till he wins so daniel suarez my third pick and i still don't even feel like that's really a bad pick because after seeing him at texas yeah um, fast car well and, you know, here, none of us pick Ross Chastain, another guy that had an amazing car. There's just so many, and, and you just don't know. <laughs> it, yeah, well, it, you know, Cendric did well at Texas, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and and 
Bowman was right there toward the end and, and William Byron. And there's so many guys like you mentioned Chase and, and there's so many guys that can reach up and steal this, this, but this is a long endurance race, 600 miles. Don't leave out Austin Dillon, another guy that that's runs well at these larger tracks and stuff. I mean, yeah, 600 miles. It's an endurance race. It, it also becomes a pit strategy kind of deal, too. So uh, you're going to be looking for these teams to make sure they get that daggum wheel on there and secure. Um, and, you know, and again, fuel mileage, definitely a fuel mileage issue. So uh, I think it's going to be fun. I really do. It's going to be fun. You bet. So. All right. And uh, one thing I wanted to do, you know, we don't want to bring the show down, but I want to make sure to let folks know, because it is something that is it's near and dear to everybody right now in our country. But especially I may live up here in the Dallas area, but I am a San Antonio girl at heart. And so just 80 miles uh, west of San Antonio, everything that has gone down in Uvalde, we want to send our thoughts and prayers um, and 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 just I don't even know what to say with with what went down there um we want to send our gratitude to the doctors and the nurses there in San Antonio um at University Health Center mm-hmm. and at B uh Brook Army Medical Center uh who had been taking care of patients that they were flown in air vacked in to San Antonio hospitals as well uh but I wanted to point out our good friend Matthew Kemp uh who of course is um pit crew i know he's on the 36 i did get to meet him very nice guy he's uh on the xfinity teams he's on the 36 team and i just completely lost my train of thought of what truck he is on he's on a truck team now right right now anyway matt is um we always say san antonio he is actually from a, a small little town outside of san antonio called natalia which is actually not very far from uvalde and they play each other and stuff so Something that's very near and dear. But one thing that Matt does every week is he always has a sticker on his helmet. He, of course, is a gas man. Um, he always has a sticker on his helmet recognizing either a law enforcement, a fallen law enforcement officer, or a soldier or something. This week, he immediately went and made uh, Uvalde stickers. And so he will have that on his helmet. And he's made – he made like – I don't know what he said. He basically spent like $70, $75 out of his own pocket and made a ton of them to put on some of the cars and stuff in the Xfinity series and so, and, and, and things. Awesome. So, um, yeah, he's so he's passing them around to some of his other crew members and stuff that want to, to wear them and represent them. So just so you know, there are guys out there in the NASCAR series that, um, will be representing and, yeah. and, and, and putting that on there, showing that they're, you know, uh, thoughts and stuff as well with the family of those in Uvalde. So, um, so I'd like to see it. And and I'm sure we'll hear a moment of silence and stuff like that during, during yeah. the races and all, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, definitely Mike, it's one of those things where, you know, we, as parents, you as a, a former teacher, now a retired te- uh, teacher and stuff, it's scary, scary times. And all we can say is make sure you, hug your your loved ones tight and make sure you're always telling them that you love them and because you just you just don't know when you're going to have that opportunity again yeah, you're right about that definitely amen amen so, to that. Bet. and uh yeah. you know and and that's that we'll try and you know hopefully this will be a nice uh what's the word i'm looking for you know deterrent i guess from all this negative and bad news and stuff that we've had to deal with this the last couple of days, it'll be nice just to kind of 
decompress a little bit through the racing and exactly and, and come together in something that we all love. Um, there's a lot of turbulence and stuff going on right now. Um, the most important thing that I want to leave us with is, you know, we don't always agree, but we have to open up communications and we have to be willing to talk to each other and work things out. And Mike and Michael, I really feel like this country right now is so divided and yet something's as tragic as this happens. And it's amazing. I really think we are all more on the same page at this very moment than we've ever been. And that page is, is we've got to put the value of human life above everything else, above our yeah, right to own something, our rights to whatever human life and human, you know, the value of it. And we've got to start working together on being kinder people. Our children watch us, our children learn from us. And it is dirty and ugly and mean and yeah. hateful on social media and things. And our children pick up on that and they take it with them to school and they treat, they mistreat other students. They bully, they pick on, they make fun of. These are things that lead to mental health issues and self-esteem issues. Yeah. And we've got to be more aware of these things as we're on social media and I'm, I'm just as guilty. So I've got, you know, it, it is something that I want to make myself more aware of as well, because you just never know what somebody is going through. You really don't. And, and I don't like to hear sometimes the mental, the mental health thing used because there's a lot of people with mental health issues that don't go shoot up things, you know, or, or kill people or kill animals or whatever. Um, and there's a lot of countries around the world that have mental health issues that don't have the gun violence that we have in this country. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that's it, right. It needs to be addressed. There's a solution. No, no one's coming to take your guns, but there's a solution out there. And, you know, it, it, it for the benefit, if, if we know that no other child has to worry about sitting in their classroom and, and being scared and terrified, Mike, I heard today, one of the stories was one of the kids that survived, put blood all over them and pretended to be dead. That is something that obviously they have been told by their parents or somebody. If this situation ever happened, this is what you need to do because I'm sorry, there is no nine year old or 10 year old child that is going to think of that. But this, this is how we have had to train our children. Um, yeah. And it's, it's sad. And um, I just, if I could leave y'all with any other thoughts, you know, let's, Let's try to do this. Let's try to be kinder to each other and teach our children to be above everything else, compassionate and loving. And if they see a friend that's kind of struggling or somebody that's a little different than, than others, instead of making fun of them, build them up, pick them up, play with them, become friends with them, uh, support them, uh, protect them. Because, you know, I mean, in the end, as much as this tragedy is, there's a family that lost their son as well. And they're, you know, a family and they also have to live with the guilt of what the choices were made by this individual. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. And it's just, it's, no. there's no, there's nobody that wins in this situation. It's, it was just a terrible, tragic situation. And yet hopefully these children did not die in vain. And I, I just hope maybe we can try to come together and find a solution. So this never happens again. Yeah. And, and, and good for Matt for what he's doing with the stickers Absolutely. 
I love trying that, to show yeah. support and everything. That's really, really great. And um, so I'll, I'll have to look for those on the cards, see what I can see. I'm sure that, you know, they'll be showing different things this weekend and, and uh, I have to look at the pictures real closely and see if I can see any of them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Michael, thank you so much. And like I said, you have an open invite as much as you want to come on the show. And uh, again, we will definitely talk if you're down to, to, blog occasionally or whatever you know even if it's just your thoughts of yeah. a, after a race or whatever i will hook you up with my info and you get in there and blog all you want yeah absolutely again i appreciate y'all letting me you know get on and chat a little bit with y'all this is always always a pleasure it's always fun right. yeah it was great 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 to have him here this past weekend i hope we get him back at the track in september and maybe do the drag races in um october and and who knows for next year in 2023 so yeah, it'll be fun. Well, guys, I, I, we apologize that this show is so long. And then again, no, we don't because we tried to give you as much as we could. And we, there was a lot out there to, to yeah, absorb to and to give you. So thanks for sticking with us as always. You guys have a great week. Enjoy your race weekend. Love each other. We love you. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.